0: Sticky blood, rubber monster masks, tubing, and silicone. It's more than just a weekend in the van with Jason, but it's also the tools of the trade for special effects artists on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast.
1: Attention,
2: planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Podcast!
0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. I am your host, Insane Mike, and today we're doing an episode on special effects makeup artists. Uh, as we are recording this, well, actually, as by the time this episode comes out, it'll be, you know, old news, but uh, the horror world lost another great not too long ago. Um, one of the greats of all time in this world of special effects, special makeup effects, Dick Smith passed away. Mm. And he is legendary in the field, and we probably wouldn't have over over half of the special effects makeup artists as we have today if it wasn't for, for Dick Smith. So, so uh, really sad, and it sucks. And in tribute um, to Dick Smith, we're going to be talking about special effects makeup artists on this episode. But before we get into any of that, you know what time it is? It's time to... What? What? time? No, seriously, seriously, what time
3: is it? It's like 8.44. You have a clock on your computer. Oh, yeah.
0: Actually, it's time right now to introduce (laughs) you to the podcast crew. Yay,
3: I like that time.
0: (laughs) His recipe for fake blood is water, red food coloring, and, of course, corn syrup, John Sullivan, Ah.
4: hey! (laughs) How's everybody doing out there in the cornfields? Itchy, (laughs) itchy, good, but good. It it gets that way, yes. Mm
0: -hmm. Next up, Lon Chaney was the man of a thousand faces, and this guy is the man of a thousand laces because he has a lot of shoes. Dustin Neal. (laughs) I get it.
3: Because it rhymes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's
1: up?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, next up. She has a lot of experience with latex. Terry Turford, everybody. Oh, no.
1: (laughs) Hey,
2: how's it going? He's calling me a slut.
0: No. (laughs) no. Special effects. I don't know where your mind's at, young she lady, but we're talking oh. about special effects oh. here.
2: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
0: Liquid latex and foam latex. Jeez. Oh, Man out of the gutter. And lastly, he's a ten foot tall, completely animatronic robot. Jason Bollinger, everybody. Hello, how are you doing?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so how's everybody doing?
2: Good. Most excellent.
0: Good, good. So, yeah, we're, so tonight we're talking about special effects makeup artists because well, we recently lost Dick Smith. But more tragedy in the world of, of horror has befallen upon us. Um, we also recently lost Marilyn Burns from oh. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. And for those out there listening, I'm gonna pull back the curtain a little bit and say that we record our shows. Uh, we try to we try to record them well enough in advance. So I'm kind of worried about um, our Toby Hooper episode, which still hasn't aired as we we're recording this, uh, because I know I talked a lot about Marilyn Burns being really hot, and I don't know if that's gonna come off as creepy now that she's she's passed away. But I wanted to wanted to uh, point it out that. I don't wasn't speaking ill of the dead, she wasn't dead yet, so But she was
5: hot. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> <How
1: about
5: that?
0: laughs> and and then also, not really related to horror, but Robin Williams, right, guys? Come on.
2: Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Awful. That sucks. It's
2: bringing me down, man.
0: I know. Well, we can kinda tie him to to this show a little bit because he did a couple of really good you know, kind of creepy movies like One Hour Photo and Insomnia and, uh, what was that other one? Book. What was it? <laughs> Book, yeah, so...
5: <laughs> fucking <laughs> frightening.
0: I was thinking World According to Gart, but... Oh. whatever. Okay. I had one other one in in there that was kind of horror-related. Kind of... He played a creepy guy. I don't know. Whatever. So sucks. A lot of dead people. Okay. So, let's get on with the topic, then. Okay. So, I want to know, just in a general sense, generally speaking, when it comes to special makeup effects, um, what are your guys' favorite uh, practical effects moment in a film? Whether it's a really good makeup that you've always really liked or a uh, practical special effect, like a really good head explosion or something along those lines, or, you know, like a full monster or, or a certain sequence in a film. What is your favorite special effects
3: moment? Let's start with... Jason. <gasps> okay, so my favorite moment <laughs> comes from the 2000... Shit, I was going to be cool and have a number there. I don't know when it was, but... um, This little film called Lights, Camera, Kill, where one of my favorite oh my special goodness. effects artists, Insane Mike Saunders, did this effect on Stephen Flyboy Tracy. And to this day, it's still scary and frightening. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a, a knife that comes out of the torso while he's sleeping. I don't know, it's really cool.
5: Yeah, yeah, it's like um, Friday the 13th almost.
0: It's very Friday the 13th, because that was, when I wrote the script, that was the inspiration for that shot. Because as a, as a child, I remember, a, you know, when I wrote it, I wrote the movie, I tried to tap into moments, uh, moments that really frightened me, and as a child, I remember the original Friday the 13th, commercial playing on television and they showed the shot, they didn't show the whole special effect, but they showed the shot of um, Kevin Bacon in, in the con, in the hand reaching around and grabbing the top of his head and stuff so so that's what I was trying to go for with Lights, Camera, Kill and the knife coming up through his chest from underneath yeah. gruesome
3: yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man um and and effective too cuz steven told us over the weekend that uh that that that's his son who watches a lot of horror movies that moment that that thing still kind of freaks him out every time he sees that so
3: cuz we're killing his daddy yeah it's his dad <laughs> that may have something to do with that it. might have something no he just really appreciates your effects work <laughs> little steven junior
0: he uh and also that that shot Made it into Fangory magazine. So that's
3: yeah, cool. our first foray. Yeah. It was that good. Made it into Fango. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, Jason, yeah. behind the scenes wise of that particular gore effect, since since you can speak to the behind the scenes of it, that's true. Which, which was creepier, the final product on film or looking at an armless, legless Stephen Tracy laying in a cot? <laughs>
3: Well, for me, yeah, it was definitely the behind-the-scenes. I mean, the, the end product turned out fucking awesome, but um, it was so fucking weird! Because <laughs> the, the neck, the head, neck, chest blended pretty well. Yeah, I really liked it. Or it was really it was really fucking weird because it was just his torso, and, like, you just see a head and torso and then, like, no arms, no legs, not even, like, waist. And he's just laying on this bed, and he'd He'd fuck around with it too, and like, whoa, whoa, hey guys, whoa, and be like, really weird, <laughs> scary. <laughs>
0: yeah, because I come from the Tom Savini school of special makeup effects, where you use as much of the real actor as possible. So, like, a lot of what Tom Savini would do is he'd hide the rest of the actor, um, and then have the special effects prominent. So, like. Steven was laying actually underneath the fake bed with his head popping out, and it was just the torso laying there, so. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely weird seeing him lay there like that. Alright! So, so Jason's favorite special effects in the history of horror movies is some <laughs> cheap-ass effect I did.
3: Got I might it. think of other ones while you guys are talking. <laughs> I mean, I, I have other ones for sure. Okay. Well,
0: we, we can have you mention those here a little bit. Let's move on to somebody else. And I'm trying to draw it out because I could just, I could just sense through the world of Skype all your guys's brains like frantically thinking of an answer. I've got um, one. My, oh, okay, Terry, go for it.
2: <laughs> um, well, I mean, there's a lot that I like, but one that pops up when you ask for like my favorite ever, um, just all of the Henrietta special effects from like mm. Evil Dead Two.
0: Cool.
2: So yeah. Awesome. And that was like the K and B guys, and um, <clears throat> Mark Showstrom were like in charge of all that stuff. I mean, and they're, uh, I mean, they're scary in their own right, but at the same time, just watching all the behind-the-scenes footage and you know seeing Ted ramey get put into all of that stuff and see his ass hanging out in <laughs> the footage because it was breaking on them. It's just yeah. kind of hilarious.
4: <laughs>
0: totally yeah and the, the whole Henrietta thing is is one of the highlights of Evil Dead 2 for sure good stuff good stuff. Festin, what about
5: you? oh man oh boy <laughs> I'm like I'm looking through all my movies right now and I've got so many and I just don't know which ones to say but as I, I I won't talk too much about it because we almost all almost all of us went to Crypticon last weekend. Yeah, except um, John Sullivan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when I got I, I got to meet Lisa Wilcox and when I got home, the first thing I did was put in Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Ooh, nice. And man, I love it. When those faces are poking through Freddy's chest uh, at the very end of that movie, when it's you know real people in this giant chest gooeyness, mm-hmm. I mean I don't even know uh, latex. I don't know, I'm not sure even how they made it. Uh, I guess they probably explained it a little bit more in that um, that documentary, that great eight-hour documentary that got on Netflix. <laughs> Never <laughs> sleep did. again. Um, and they show up, you know, falling over and everything uh that that to me just because i've seen that recently i mean that's just an incredible nobody does that shit anymore i mean no, you're right. i mean that's and that that a lot of work went into that and you know what and that those shots pay off i mean they look amazing and they still I, like i said i just watched it a couple days ago they still hold up and it still looks great so i probably have more but that one right there is definitely the one that i'm going to say right now just because i just watched it recently
0: Nightmare on Elm Street Four is like the special effects extravaganza, man. Yeah, there's there were so many different studios that worked on that movie. You had like Screamin' Mad George did like the cockroach, all the cockroach stuff.
5: Oh, that's um, so gnarly. Uh
0: huh. You had Steve Steve Johnson did the the uh, all the souls coming out of Freddy stuff. The little the little miniature chess piece that he wore, and then like the giant giant piece that uh, live actors tried to stretch through. And the boobs in that, you know whose boobs those were in <laughs> Yes, um, I do. Um, yeah. Try right, Lene Quigley. Met her go.
5: too, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so
0: anyway, but uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember who else worked on that movie. I think a little bit of everybody worked on that movie um, in one form or another. So yeah, Nightmare on Street 4... Huge, I, huge effects extravaganza, and what's, and to me, and that sequence you're talking about with the with the souls climbing out of the chest, that is true showmanship, in my opinion, of an effects artist. Cause like, you know, I guess back in the '80s, in the heyday of all this stuff, a lot of times directors and cinematographers were kind of at the mercy of the effects artists in those sequences because they would have to build whether something was enlarged or something miniature or what have you, and things would have to be shot and filmed a certain way. So effects artists also had to know where the camera went
1: mm-hmm.
0: to, to shoot those effects the best. And so it was, it, it was, I always thought when it worked well and it, and it paid off, um, that uh, it was definitely a lot of ingenuity between the effects artist and the director of getting the right shots for that stuff. But the thing, and for the thing is for me, like you take like, take like the raft scene in the burning, which is, which is like a very bloody gruesome scene, tons of gore effects in it, but it's all in small, like little vignettes, just like little, just little clips here and there in order to set up each special effect Mm and, you know, and frame it just right. So you can keep the behind the scenes of the effect out of frame and all that stuff to me that is those quick cut quick cutting and stuff like that in that kind of in that kind of sequence i think works better than if it was like nowadays if if they try to do it all in one wide shot and just did it all digitally yes you can get away with it digitally but i th- i just think like cinematically you know we're not even talking i'm not even really bitching about cgi over practical just i think just cinematically, those quick cuts or those special angles that they used to have to do to get those practical effects just right I think was far more impactive to the emotion of those scenes than, than nowadays where it's like, well, we don't have to cut away because we could just do it CGI. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, I went off on, a, on another tangent.
4: John what about you what's your favorite um, special effect of all time well I've got I mean so there's so many special effects in movies that I've I've loved over the years Um, just one that comes to mind that I really liked um, was from a movie that came out in 1975 called The Devil's Reign it had it had uh, William Shatner Ernest Borgnine Eddie Albert Tom Skerritt played in it. Um, John Travolta had a small part in it. Uh, and there's a scene at the actually there's a scene at the beginning with just one person, but the scene at the end is the one that I really liked the most. What I thought was really cool. <clears throat> and the movie has to do with with a bunch with a satanic cult. And at the very end, all of the Satan worshippers end up melting, and their like skin just melts off when this rain comes down on top of them. And it's like just a whole bunch of people, and you see their skin just melting off and hitting the ground, and and they're wailing and screaming and all kinds of stuff. And it's it's a really cool effect. I thought I really liked the way they did it. Um, that's and they they had an, a, the same effect with with a person at the very beginning, about about maybe ten minutes into the movie. But the ending is a lot more effective because you've got all of these this big group of people, and they're just everything. Their skin's just melting off, and and. It's just hitting the ground, and it's really cool. I, I thought it was really neat. So that that's going to be one that came to mind whenever you said what's your favorite you know, special effect in a movie. So
0: It's a good pick. It's a little bit more of an obscure pick. Yeah, I like that one. And it's a good effect. I agree with you. Now, when it comes to me and, uh, and me picking what I think is my favorite special effects, uh, considering... That was that was my passion when I first really got into horror movies, and that's what I I thought I wanted to do with the rest of my life was to be a special effects a special effects makeup artist, and I, I still dabble in that quite a bit to this day. So, as somebody who studied different special effects artists and their techniques and and uh, their work in their films, for me, I would have to say some of the most impactful. Um, stuff for me would have to be the stuff where, at first glance, I couldn't tell you how they did it. And I also need to go back to where it all began for me. And the first movie where I was like, holy crap, how did they do that? And special effects is way more than just dumping blood on somebody. And that is um, is the the dr frankenstein's laboratory scene in day of the dead with the guy laying Mm -hmm. the guy it's a toss-up between two shots for me where the guy's laying on the table and and his whole face and skull and everything is gone but his brain and his uh and his um spinal cord because from the neck down, that's a real guy, and they show you that it's a real guy because the arms will move and stuff like that. And my so young, yeah, my young teenage brain's like, how in the hell did they do that? And then the other one being the the, the, the zombie that has been completely gutted and is sitting there with his ribs exposed and, and his intestines just loosely sitting there as he gets up and watching the gills the, the gills the guts spill out <laughs> on the floor. That shot is also another one of those like, holy crap, how did they do that? Because yes, as time went on I realized with the one guy they just buried his head underneath the table and and built stuff built the uh, special effects off of off of his collarbone and on up with the brain and all that, but but still, I'm still amazed to this day of that zombie getting up off the table and his gut spilling out. Oh, because, uh. because the ribs are there. There's depth. You can see the depth in the chest cavity where everything's been. When everybody's been, everything's been dissected, and it's still. It doesn't look like it's standing like three feet off of the guy's normal body. I mean, it, it looks. It looks like somebody's been gutted and their their ribs are exposed it's it, it still works really really well to this day and I also think a lot of that also had to do with Savini's like okay for the best look at this shot you really need to set the camera here because a lot of times it's just camera trickery too so so that, those those are the ones for me the big ones for me but I could shout, I could like name off special effects all day long that I, I love uh, did you have another one you wanted to mention, Jason? Now that you had time to think about it oh, and hear well, other people's answers.
3: Well, I, before you said that, I had thought about the uh, the bad guy at the end of Day of the Dead. Uh, Rhodes? Rhodes getting ripped apart was a moment, you know, that was just like, I like horror movies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just watching those zombies just rip apart his guts and eat him and all that. Yeah,
3: yeah but yeah. Uh, but the other, the other one, I, I thought about it this weekend as we were talking about it. But like, just one of my favorite, probably all-time effects, because to this day, as a full, well, on paper, full-fledged adult, grown-up.
0: <laughs>
3: according uh, to your birth
0: certificate, you're an adult.
3: According <laughs> to the law, I'm an adult. But. This effect still makes me cringe, and is the scariest, cringe like moment in movie history. And it's this for this reason; it's probably my favorite effect. And I, uh, uh, I'm just about to say it, and I'm like getting goosebumps. <laughs> but uh, the the puppeteering effects in Elm Street 3, that scene. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh. When that yeah. fucking hmm. foot walks into frame, I d- want to throw up. I mean, it's just—it yeah. is the most gruesome, sick fuck.
0: Ah, love it. It's, it is. Yeah, it's pretty gruesome because they do. They do do a really cool close-up shot of that guy's foot, and you could see the, all the You're flesh. Like, How
3: the fuck did they do that? There's a giant column of vein knot in his foot now. What's that? <laughs> and there's and again, there's depth to what's yeah. going on around the foot. So yeah, the wrist stuff too, man. That just mm-hmm. knocked it out of the park, and yeah, to the fact that it still makes me cringe as much as it does today. That's that's one of my favorites.
0: I've always been kind of actually shocked that that you know, I mean, obviously that movie, along with uh, most movies in the '80s, got attacked by the MPAA, and I know there was some stuff that was cut out of Elm Street Three, but. How did that not... How'd that get passed? Yeah. I know. Which is... I'm grateful it did.
3: I sorta am. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh... Any others anybody wants to mention?
5: (sighs) Yeah, but man, I need to think <laughs> Well
2: I mean there's like like American Werewolf in London, that's pretty iconic, that whole transformation.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um
0: well it won Rick Baker an Academy Award, so Yeah. You know. <laughs> and again, you go back and watch it, it again it's a series of shots where, you know, they would cut to a different a different effect that would, you know, have a, that would do a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like close ups of the hair growing out, you know, that's that's just a close up shot of the special effect piece, not you know. So and I think again, I say that all those shots are far more impactful the way it's the way it's edited together than if they were to just do something like a guy turning into a wolf in Twilight or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, you know, I mean that's that's a terrible example, I know, but I just how they would do it nowadays. It wouldn't be this long, drawn-out, like three-minute process transformation sequence like they do in that movie. It's just like, everything's just...
3: You don't think it's down. too long now? Have you watched it recently?
0: I, it has been it's a while too since long. I've, It's too long. You think so? Yeah, fuck Are you yeah. just saying that to argue with
3: me? Well, that too, but I'm saying, <laughs> it's, isn't it also too long?
0: But that's like 95% of the purpose of the whole movie. Is that sequence because it's oh. showing you it's showing you the the pain that a person goes through to turn into a werewolf? So if it comes off as a little bit long, it it has to be because it's a
3: it, it's part of the emotion of the movie.
5: I okay. agree.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Take that, Jason.
1: <laughs> 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 oh.
0: All right. So. As we said at the beginning of the show, that this episode is dedicated to Dick Smith. The thought had crossed my mind to do a full-on Dick Smith show. But I was really kind of nervous about... Well, first of all, I went through and... The man's done a lot of work. But it hasn't all been in horror. Um, The guy's done amazing stuff, like in Godfather and um, Little Big Man, which is still one of the best old-age makeups of all time. Um, you know, it's, it's just a lot of great stuff like that. Um, and yes, there's there's quite a bit of horror in there, but I was just kind of concerned if the if the team had really seen a lot of his horror related work. Um, what's cool for me is like like his first his first uh, film uh, effects work in horror was Alligator People. Oh, that movie's awesome mm-hmm. with Lon Chaney Jr. And this like, half man, half alligator, where the mouth doesn't move, and it's so cool. Uh, But he did a lot of makeup work on, like, some of the Dark Shadows series, and, like, um, the the movie that followed it, House of Dark Shadows. Um, His most famous work, obviously, The Exorcist.
3: Did I read somewhere that, like, he would have been nominated for an Oscar, but they thought that the dude was really that old? Like, he did too good of a job? For what?
0: Little, for little big man?
3: No, for Exorcist. They thought. Oh,
0: uh, you mean for Max von Sydow?
3: Yeah, they like actually thought he was that old and didn't.
0: Oh, that would be that would be awesome. If like that's I read true. that
3: somewhere. Like they <laughs> they wanted yeah, to dominate him, reason. but they but they.
2: They didn't realize it was makeup.
3: They didn't realize it was makeup.
2: That's outstanding.
0: That's almost better than winning the award. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, a... well, you know, and I'm the same way though. I never, you know, with especially with all the crazy makeup effects that happen in that movie, I always forget that that is not how and you know, also considering that every movie I know of Max von Sydow, he looks that old, but right. but two two or three decades later. <laughs> but uh, so I often forget that yeah, that a lot of his look is makeup as well. So that's awesome. I mean, he looks younger and strange brew than he did in *Exorcist*. Just saying. So, so uh, *Exorcist*. Besides the Max von Sydow makeup, uh, what'd you think of the uh, makeup effects in that
5: movie, there, Dustin? In the *Exorcist*? Yeah. Well, they're okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not a real big *Exorcist* fan. Oh. Um, I've seen it plenty of times. Uh, probably well, way too young, but... I mean... I don't know. It's just... Okay. I was kind of scared when, when I watched it, when I revisited it as a teenager in high school. And I remember we were watching it with the lights off, me and my friend. And we had it it was it was probably about the time the new like extended version came out when they were kinda reintroducing it to everyone.
0: Oh yeah, with the and Spider Crawl.
5: Yeah, and I'm like, dude, this movie isn't scary. And then we see that, and, and we kind of, like, almost wanted to turn it off. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
5: Uh-oh. You know, that's, that's some scary shit that's happening. And it looked like it was really happening. And I go back and I watch it now. I, I watch just that scene out of context, and it happens very quickly. Uh uh-huh. yeah. um, But, like when my first time I saw it I'm like oh shit that needs to end right now like it, it felt like it went on forever like, it's just... but yeah yeah I mean that's uh, I mean I'm not like a huge fan of it but yeah if we're gonna talk effects wise then yeah I mean that that I think still holds up and still looks great and and if I was watching in context it would probably still scare the crap out of me
0: hmm. does anybody know why that was ever originally cut
5: not too scary
0: yeah. too scary <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking weird that's why it is weird and it's just that's that's what that's why I ask because it's it's probably the creepiest moment of the whole movie To shame that people yeah, yeah. back in the 70s didn't see that
3: but Dick Smith's also actually responsible for probably the most iconic moment of the movie slash horror movie history is when her fucking head spins around yeah. You know, like, how there isn't much more iconic than that. And I mean, it might, it might seem simple now, but it had to be, like, fuck people up when they saw it in the movie. Because it happens yeah. so slow, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it, well, yeah, it happens slow. Well, and the thing this is, too, is, like, those guys were inventing everything back then when they did that movie. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing with Dick Smith in general. He was a big-time innovator. Like, a lot of techniques that are still used today, he created. Like, you know, we go back to the old age makeup. Something as simple as he invented the technique of you stretch the skin, you put latex on it, you let the latex dry, you let go of the skin, and the skin will naturally wrinkle up under the latex. And it's such a simple effect, but um, he obviously obviously knows what he's doing because he's done many of amazing old age makeups through the course of his career. But uh, he's also the pioneer, too, for taking, like, basically inventing latex appliances, I guess you could say. He's the, he's the first guy to think, instead of just putting, instead of making a full foam rubber mask and putting it over a guy like they used to do, let's cut the pieces up and attach them to the actual actor so the actor still has full... Um, Mobility of their mouth and their, you know, and their, and their face and everything. Um, he was, he was basically the guy that started that, as far as um, individual appliances to do a full, a full face makeup. So.
3: And nobody really regurgitates like they used to, you know, since he did it. That's right. Pea soup. Famous pea soup.
0: <laughs> yum yum.
3: Yeah.
0: The other effects that always that always um, shocked me as a, as a lover of effects another kind of like, how did they do that? Was when they would throw the holy water on her and the gashes would appear on her legs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... Oh, how many times am I going to say this this episode? That predates CGI, kids.
3: Oh.
0: That... <laughs> 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 like, how did they do that? How did they do that? It's good stuff, John. You have any thoughts on the um, special effects in The Exorcist?
4: Freaking creepy, man. That stuff was wild. <clears throat> that the the I mean, just the transformation of her, you know, slowly transforming into that into that thing was just uh, it just creepy. And then at the very end, where where you see it's transferred into the priest, and you see his eyes start to, you know, change. I mean, yeah. the the whole, I mean, and the head spinning and everything, I mean, it's just all creepy, and then they use the levitation, you know, where she levitates, and to show her power, and 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 it, I, I, I like the original, and then I like the, uh, you know, the version you've never seen, you know, I like mm-hmm. it too, where they, where they put all that stuff back in, and, and I wish now, you know, at the time I was wanting... I was really wanting to go to the movies and see that when they rebrought that out at theaters, and I wish now I would have went and seen it. But, but yeah, it was it's good stuff. I it it creeped me out. Yeah, I, I got to
0: see that in the theater. J- Jason, oh, really? Were, were, was it you and I went and saw that?
3: Sure. Okay. I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the blood's more red. Those little demon dudes are back in the flashes, and yeah, that's more, I love
0: that version. A lot more Captain Howdy shots, and yeah. Yes. And of course the spider Crow. Which mm-hmm. is so yeah. so crazy. A scene left on the cutting room floor of the original movie has now become one of the more iconic moments of that movie. I mean, they, they've made like an action figure set out of that moment. Mm-hmm. And yes,
4: I still have that, mic. I'm taking good <laughs> care of it. <laughs> good. Good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, so kind of kind of feels like we don't have a ton to say about The Exorcist, so we can move on from it. Um, but Again, like I said, that's why I didn't do want to do a whole episode about Dick Smith because I felt like The Exorcist would be the one that we could talk about the most. But at the same time, we're not really talking about it that much because it feels like we've either talked about it a lot or everybody's talked about it, and it's like what more can you really say? It's freaking out. It's like it's like the Chris Farley show on Saturday Night Live. You know, you remember that scene The Exorcist where his head spins around? Yeah, that was that was, was yeah, awesome. that, that was awesome. <laughs> But, uh, John, you had brought up the movie Step Wives a few episodes ago. He did the uh, makeup mm-hmm. work on that. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: the,
0: the Sentinel. Anybody seen The Sentinel? Yes. Yes.
5: What's that one again?
4: John? <laughs> that, <laughs> that, I, don't, yeah, I don't know if I've that, ever seen it. Yeah, it's It's actually um, It's about this uh, apartment building. And like one of the apartments is basically like the gateway to hell. And there is a... Um, Every so often they uh, person turns into like the uh, I don't know if I want to say like a gatekeeper or a, an overseer to make sure that the gate stays closed and it's usually a woman turns into a nun or there's like a, a guy that'll turn into a priest or something and and they're always they're, they're always watching the, the uh, kind of up in the one apartment and this this lady moves into it she's a uh, she's a model. And she, it also, the movie also has Chris Sarandon in it. And uh, she's a model and she
1: uh,
4: um, moves into the apartment. She starts seeing, talking to all of her neighbors in the building. And and then finally, whenever uh, whenever she finally talks to the landlady that that got her the apartment, she says, well, nobody lives there. She said, you're the only one that lives in the thing. Nobody else lives here. And it kind of... She and all the all the people that she's been seeing are people that have, have either committed suicide or have you know died or whatever. Um, it has uh, Burgess Meredith in it. He's like the main the main guy. And then at the very end of the movie, um, I forget what happens, what makes them all, but they, they all start to come out uh, of the kind of kind of out of hell up in the t- very top apartment. Like, out of the shadows, you see all these twisted people, all of these, um, like, tortured souls, and they have, like, you know, like, deformities and all kinds of stuff, and, and the, uh, the, the guy that is, like, the, kind of the priest up there that's kind of watching everything, I I think it's him that gets everybody to go back into the shadows, and they, and then, um, at the very end you have somebody else turn into the overseer of the of the sentence and they call it the sentinel um but it, it's kind of a different movie they it's another one of those based you know based from a book so it's it's uh i'm sure i've never read the book but i'm sure it's a lot different but uh but i do i do have it on dvd i haven't watched it for a long long time but it's you, you really have to follow it uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in it to kind of you know keep you going but um, but it's it's a good movie, and it actually has uh, one of the one of the people that plays uh, one of the one of the people that comes from hell um, actually is from the town that I live in right now, and he he's seen, uh, since passed away. He passed away a few years, quite a few years ago. But uh, he actually plays one of the one of the people that comes out of the shadows. Uh, and he also played in the movie, the other, I don't know if anybody's, I don't know if anybody's seen that, um, with the two twin boys. Um, but he, but he played in it. He played in a, played a, like a carnival person that comes out, but he, he actually did have, um, have like a deformity, um, in real life. It wasn't like makeup. It was, it was real. And I don't, I would assume that's why they got him to play a couple parts, um, but how he got how he got found by Hollywood, I don't know. But but anyway, um, and his name was Bob Melvin. But I don't know. Like I said, I, that's the only two movies I ever saw him in. Uh, but but the movies movies a little different. Like I said, you gotta it's got to be followed. But it, it's okay. I mean, it's it's not like a really you know jump out and grab you scary movie. But it's but it's it's a it's not too bad.
0: I kind of, I heard that Rob Zombie's Lords of Salem was kind, was kind of inspired from the Sentinel.
5: Really? That's funny, because that's exactly what I was thinking about when he was, de- he was describing it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah, I, I have never seen it. Um,
4: the more I do hear about it, the more I do want to see it. But
1: mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. I'll try to send you a... I'll try to send you a link to the trailer so you can see the trailer. Kind it's and it's an older '70s movie, so it's got that '70s, oh, yeah. you know, it's got that '70s vibe. But I, I like a lot of those, you know, movies that that have that feel to it. Me too. Which is why I should see *Lord of the Sea*. Yes. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> so, but other things that Dick Smith has done, you know, *Exorcist* 2, *Altered States*, *Ghost Story*. Um, hunger spasms, all of which I've never seen, <laughs> which is bad to say. So, really, the only other one I could that I that I found on uh, his filmography that's horror related that I thought we could that more than likely speak to would be Scanners. Mm-hmm. So he did the stuff for that one of the one of the top five greatest head explosions of all time.
5: <laughs> <laughs> what? Where does it rank? Is it? Uh... Number one?
0: Or? You know, I'd said a, p- a few episodes back that I was going to do my top five head explosions.
3: Yeah.
0: And I started to write them down, I can't remember them all. Because I, I think I had them all in my brain at the time. Aww. But I'd have to... Yeah, I know, I can't remember them. So one of these days, ladies and gentlemen, I will give you my list. I know you're all dying from anticipation, but my top five favorite head explosions of all time. But um, I don't know, and... We'll definitely get into this for sure, uh, and yes, I am a little bit nostalgia and partial for Tom Savini's work over a lot of other effects artists, but damn that, that head explosion in Maniac is freaking awesome. Uh-huh. So, like, Scanners is great, um, and definitely pioneering, um, but uh, I may have to put I may have to put Maniac just slightly over top of it. I mean, I, I obviously I love. The slow motion of scanners and how like, like all the the meat and skin of the head just flaps around like you know like phalanges flailing in the wind, what have you. But uh, so it has that. But man, for me the and both of them are seamless. So but the the maniac one is just it's so it's just so seamless to me. You know it's just like wait a minute that's Tom Savini's real head blowing up. Wait what? So, <laughs> so I don't know but so probably not knowing my full list it probably lands maybe second or third mm. till I get the full to me when I when I talked about it a few episodes ago there was one that I thought that I was I, that I was making reference to in the episode that was going to be number 1
5: that it now months. is it a head explosion or just a beheading head
0: explode is definitely head explosions okay. yes yes the only three that I could think of off the top of my head is Maniac Scanners and the original Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead in comparison to head explosions, you know, even a decade after um, Dawn of the Dead, the Dawn of the Dead Head Explosion is pretty pretty weak in comparison. It happens super fast and there's a reason why it happens super fast in this day and age of, of freaking you know, crystal clear, you know, HDMI quality, freaking viewing of movies at home and you can like literally watch things frame by frame. If you have a copy of Dawn of the Dead watch that shot frame by frame. It is the worst looking fake head ever before it, right right before it blows up. It's like blue and like it's got like just hair just like glued onto the sides. It's, it's, just, it's really bad looking but uh, the head explosion is pretty kick ass and basically that head explosion to me is like significant as being the explosion of gore to come like that one shot opened the floodgates in my opinion for what followed after it not only within the movie but uh, in special effects for the next couple decades so
5: what about um, uh, John Carpenter's big trouble the big trouble in little China or that uh... <laughs> Because it's kind of weird. After he explodes, it just looks like paper. That's and, and well, <laughs> one of my favorite ones, yeah.
0: <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> well, his head blows up like a balloon. Yeah. Which so awesome, explodes. funny, and hilarious. <laughs> and then it explodes. I guess my, my original... Maybe that's number six, then. I'll, I'll it <laughs> that it is awesome. You know, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but my top five is definitely reserved for iconic ones realistic looking ones gruesome ones that kind of thing the prowler that's an onton Savini one the prowler also has a really good head explosion and it's like other than the dawn of the dead one it seemed like most head explosions to follow all had to do it in slow motion so anyway but scares yeah one of the But probably the most iconic head explosion, I think, of all time is Scanners. Like, Scanners is known for the head explosion. I mean, does anybody remember any of the rest of the movie?
5: See? I remember the end with... Yeah, that movie's boring. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like,
5: isn't it? Like, does anybody else, like, agree that... When I was watching that, I watched the head explosion, and we rewound it a hundred times. And then we tried watching the rest of the movie, and it was just... What mm-hmm. yeah. happens?
0: Yeah, it's slow paced. I mean, I still, I still like it. Um, it could, that could be for nostalgia reasons. You know, I watched it a lot growing up. But I, I still think it's, it's a good movie. Um, David Cronenberg. It's one of his effed up body horror
3: movies. so yeah. I appreciate it for that, and it is effed up. One of my favorite head explosions is from the classic film, Collapse, when a zombie's head goes boom. You're
0: quite into the self-promotion tonight, aren't you? I don't you? know what you're talking about, <laughs> sir. <laughs> oh
1: my God.
3: Somebody's got to talk about our shit.
0: That's, this, <laughs> is, this is true, so in Collapse.
3: <laughs> I'm kidding, <laughs> go on.
0: Well, that head explosion too is kind of was kind of the same thing as that I was trying to do that the head explosion Dawn of the Dead seemed to represent to me. It's like, oh shit, this happens within the first how many minutes of the movie? You know, just wait till you you see the rest of it. So,
4: anyway, anyway, anyway. What about Um, the head explosion in shopping mall?
0: Yes, that's one of them. Thank you, John. Hold on, gotta find my pen. Talk amongst yourselves. Those darn kill bots. Where's my <laughs> pet? I never did buy those posters, did I? No. Fail. Well, I just i don't have the room for them
5: in my air quotes office. <laughs> I like how you said air quotes. <laughs> oh, we had discussed another great head um, beyond. Um, um, oh, fuck that girl. Little yeah. cute cool girl. Oh, yeah. Maybe this oh. may have to be a top ten list. Oh.
0: It's awesome because it's a little girl getting the top of her head blown off. Cause that's something you don't see every day. Yeah. Um, uh, why but, not? <laughs> but I know. But my. What's cool too is just like, it happens fast, and it's 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 kind of it's almost. It's not like Dawn of the Dead where it happens fast, but it's prominent, it's right in your face. There it is, you know. It's it's almost kind of matter of fact. It's like, yeah, you know, top of her head flies off. You know? <laughs> it's
5: fleshy though, like it's... it is.
0: It's really fleshy and gooey. My like
5: <laughs> biggest,
0: biggest problem with that effect is the black void in the top of her head. There's like, if you look at it after her head gets blown off, there's like just this black void, almost like, <laughs> like they, they they just kind of stopped <laughs> building the inside of the head and they just made it black. I've even what's funny is I've even seen. I think it's rotten cotton did a bobblehead of that little girl from Uh the beyond with the top of her head blown off. And even in the center of that, they painted it black. So Hmm. I'm obviously not the only one that ever noticed that. Hmm. (laughs) But I'm with you. That's a great... I I do like that one a lot, too. Yeah, see, right now we got one, two, three, four, five, six. My list has gone to six. It may have to be a top ten list by the time I'm done. I swear there's another one. Another really awesome one that I'm forgetting.
3: Let's all just think about
4: it.
1: Yeah. Mm. Maybe we'll jog your memory. on the after-
4: <laughs> Oh, what about uh, David Cronenberg's *The Fly*? Whenever they put the gun up to the fly's head, and
0: yeah, that yeah, no, that's a good one. Uh, probably wouldn't make the top ten. But that is a really good one. And it, like his head kind of just kind of collapses mm-hmm. afterwards. And Was that in slow mo? Did they do that one in slow mo too?
5: Mm. Sure. <laughs>
1: I'll
5: tell you what. I just posted up a, a link to a video of heads exploding uh, on our little page here, and uh, I've been watching it while you guys have been talking, and it's literally got every head explosion I've ever seen, <laughs> and seen. Oh, okay. and it, it is excellent.
3: <laughs> now let's oh, just to listen to Mike freak out.
0: It's really loud right now.
5: <laughs>
0: I wasn't <laughs> ready for that to be so loud. <laughs> it just starts right off with the scanner explosion. Whoa! What is that from?
5: Oh shit! Yeah, that's kind of what I'm wondering. And they've disabled the comments so nobody can.
0: Well, they have one where it looked like a like a from a cannibal film or something. It oh, like oh a, yeah, yeah.
5: There's a lot of that
0: on here. Tribesmen and ooh. Uh. Ooh. Another really good one that I oh that is that one's sweet. Another one I really like that's a uh, that reminds me of the Beyond one was the the shooting off the top of the head in Peter Jackson's Bad Taste.
3: Mm, oh yeah.
0: Which Peter Jackson did all of his own special makeup effects in that movie. He did everything in that damn movie. So what am I talking about? Oh. Dude, was that was that saw with the two ice blocks coming yeah. down and crushing yep. the guy's oh, head? fuck!
5: Like yeah. saw
0: three, I think.
5: No, that's, that's four.
0: Oh, was it four?
5: Pretty sure, right? Or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't like
4: them. Don't take I, my word oh. for it. <laughs> what
0: well, good head explosion? <laughs> it keeps freezing up on me, so this may take a while.
4: Now, was there some <laughs> some head explosions in Night of the Creeps?
0: Yeah, that's a good one too. Um, yeah, they...
4: I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> no,
0: no you, you go ahead. That's fine. It,
5: it's the killer. It's the serial killer that comes back because the the uh, leech things are inside of the killer and it's bringing him back to life.
0: Oh yeah, that's well, it. Well, don't they they shoot the one when the when all the jock zombies are uh, invading the sorority house? Um. They shoot the one guy's face off, which gives you... No, wait, no, they don't shoot it off. He just walks up. Okay, the one guy with the missing with the mm-hmm. missing face, with his face ripped off, and you just see the skull and the eyeballs and stuff. Don't they shoot his... Don't they explode his head, too? Well, they explode a lot of heads in that movie, now that I think mm-hmm. about it, because they split open, and then all the worm guys come flying out. Yeah. Ooh, there's mm-hmm. the Beyond one. So, that's all I really have to say about... Uh, um, Dick Smith, because I I really don't think there's much more we can we can discuss at full length, unless anybody else has anything they want to say about any of his body of work.
4: Oh yeah, so there's the, man, the creeps. Okay. I just always thought the Stepford Wives, you know, the the effects weren't you know a whole lot um, to make them look like you know robots, but like the the just the that final shot of. Um, of the main lady, you know, and she's got the, uh, she's got like the black eyes. It's just, it's just really creepy. Yeah.
2: Simple. Mm -hmm.
0: For sure. And that could be said for a lot of his work, for sure. Well, a lot of these guys have those moments as well. Which we could probably start getting into some of these other guys, right? Right. So, makeup effects artists. (laughs) who is your all-time favorite effects artist? Now, if you're not that versed in effects artists like I am, you can name them off like freaking, you know, members of a band or something. And that was the thing, too, like the 80s. 80s was the heyday for special effects artists. Those guys were the rock stars of, of horror movies, of movies in general back in the day, were the, was the special effects makeup artist. Uh, you know, a lot of horror fans would go... Uh, to see a movie not for who the actor was or who the director was, but who the special makeup effects artist was. Uh, they, they gained that kind of um, notoriety through through the 80s. Um, so if you were to pick your favorite special effects makeup artist, and if you can't think of so-and-so's name, if there's like a, a movie... That you just you love all the special effects, and that could probably help you name that special effects artist. But who would? Oh, they even had uh, Ben Affleck. Quit watching
3: that, so you can finish your question.
0: They showed Ben Affleck's head exploding from um, Dogma. That was awesome. Anyway, so oh, Dustin, Dustin, who's your special favorite special effects
1: artist?
5: Uh, I probably have to say Greg Nicotero. I mean, I watched. Oh, that documentary on Netflix. I can't... Nightmare can't, Factory. Yes. Ugh. It's so just so good. cool. I mean, yeah, they, they show all the behind-scenes footage from back when he first started up until now. And it just seems like he's still trying to bring great practical effects to the screen. And, you know, I'm sure there's still other artists out there. But, I mean, he just seems like right now the name that pops into my head is Definitely him. I mean, not just in horror movies, but just in other, you know, non horror movies too. It just seems like he's he's there with his special makeup. So I mean, it's and he's still he's still going. And I mean, it's probably not all just him. I mean, it's his his company, but I mean, he's I mean, I always I just assume he's like Mr K and B. So
0: <laughs> he's definitely the face of K and B. Yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of the design work is, is, is him, too. Because I think, like... Oh, yeah, that guy in Hot Fuzz. Um,
1: uh.
0: So I think, <laughs> like... Uh,
1: uh-huh.
0: I, which one? I'm trying to remember which one it was. Uh, Burger, I think, ended up getting more into the digital side of, of the effects world. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: and then... So you got Howard Berger, Greg Nicotero, and Robert Kurtzman. Uh, but uh, Nicotero was always kind of the front man. You know, anytime anytime and be interviewed or to be behind-the-scenes stuff, it was always Nicotero that we could talk to. And now it's gone to the point where k is like the freaking dominant special effects studio still to this day. But they've been branching out even more like Nicotero. Well, Nicotero is like this... Is to me the star of Walking Dead.
5: Yeah, he's like a,
0: he's like you know it's it's K that does the does all the zombies and does all the special effects. Um, he's co he's a he's a co producer now, and he's even directed a lot of episodes. So, you know, it's kind of turned into the Greg Nicotero show. Uh, the Walking Dead has, but uh, but man, those guys have been doing crap, and you know, you had mentioned like uh, or no, I think it was Terry mentioned. Um, Evil Dead 2 and all the guys I think that was really uh, that was the the movie that they all met in if I remember right according to that documentary Mm
2: -hmm.
0: did you see Nightmare Factory Terry?
2: no they talked about that on some of the behind the scenes stuff on the Evil Dead 2 Blu-ray though
0: oh okay Dustin do you remember um, them talking about that on I don't okay One of the things I remember from that documentary, and if you haven't seen it, guys, you really need to see the documentary. It's so awesome. It's really good. Um, Was uh, them talking about uh, Intruder, I think it was. Um, Directed by... The movie Intruder has some major significance as being basically the movie that that helped form K&B that also kind of helped uh start up Quentin Tarantino's career kind K- of uh, Intruder which was uh, directed by Scott Spiegel uh, it was like really like KMB's first job they did as a studio and it was kind of the foundation for everything that that followed for them and once they did Intruder like everything just kind of took off for them as a company and a lot, a lot of their success was uh, dependent on on the success of Intruder um, which, which sucks because Intruder had such a shitty release when it came out, and a lot of their effects works got cut out out of that movie. But Do you have, like, a favorite Greg Nicotero moment, Dustin?
5: Um, Let me see here. Gosh, he's done so much. I mean, it's hard to tell what he would really have his... His hands on, um, you know. I like, uh, I like it when he's in the movies. Um, <laughs> I, I, what's What's funny is um, uh, from Dusk Till Dawn. He's uh, <laughs> he's sitting beside Tom Savini, and Tom Savini has like that this is like little whip. I don't know what the fuck it is, but he like whips his <laughs> beer. And he pulls it, and he pulls it in his hand, and Greg Nicotero has this look on his face, like, you motherfucker. And then, of course, Tom Savini's sex machine whips out that, that crotch gun, and he's like, okay, no big deal. But I think he, doesn't he get his arm ripped off and later on in that whole vampire sequence? Like, doesn't he, I mean, if there's, I think they make a point to either show him or maybe it's somebody that looks like him, but I mean, they did the effects on that movie. I'm pretty sure they did. Um,
1: oh yeah, yeah.
5: And that whole sequence—that's probably one of my favorites. Um, just, just, just the complete all-out mayhem of ripping off heads and pulling off arms, and you know, it's just, it's just. I mean, it, that's kind of mixed in with some digital effects, but everything practical there is great it's awesome
0: yeah definitely um definitely a good showcase i'm trying to remember too because i think like there are some movies that they've done that they have so much shit laying around their warehouse that they like will reuse body parts and i think like uh some of the stuff they constructed like the like in the mariachi band in the in the titty twister <laughs> Yeah. When they turn into when they turn into vampires and their and then their instruments are like made up of body parts. Yes. Yeah, I think that stuff is all um, uh, put together pieces that they just had laying around in the shop from other movies. That's so
3: if awesome. You were,
0: so if you were a major hardcore fan, uh, you could uh, you would like watch these movies and just try to figure out well that arm was in this movie. <laughs>
5: Uh-huh. that uh that guitar that that mariachi band is playing is just the the okay. craziest fucking thing ever <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. yeah the the body of the guitar is like the torso with the guy's with the, head on the bottom of it and the leg for the neck and yeah it's <laughs> crazy it's awesome
2: speaking of that movie did you guys notice that um that series is on netflix now
0: Oh, no. Oh, the TV series?
2: Yeah, I just noticed that they put on that first season of it.
0: Wow. Nice.
2: I haven't checked it out yet, I but not I not know... know I guess no one else has either, apparently.
0: Yeah. I probably will. Kind of want to see what they do. I mean, it's... Just, my understanding, it's just they basically tell the story over again, right?
5: I don't know. Really? So it's like four episodes? I don't know much of
0: anything about it. I don't know. So, and Greg Nicotero, back to Greg Nicotero, he got his start, his first film ever was um, Day of the Dead. Where he was Savini's assist. Not only was he Savini, he also had a part in that movie too. And I don't remember if it was in the documentary um, or if it was uh, in the making of the Day of the Dead DVD, he would tell uh, Greg Nicotero told the story about how like Tom Savini has always been famous on, on the set of his movies like playing pranks on other crew members and stuff. And so Greg Nick they had to make a Greg Nicotero severed head um, for one scene for, for towards the end of the movie. And Greg Nicotero took that head home and like, hid it in his mom's bed or something like that, and scared his mom half to death with her <laughs> son's severed head underneath the, underneath the cushions. So, yeah. What other cool stuff about KMB? Jason, what do you think of old KMB?
3: They're pretty neat. <laughs> I like what they do. <laughs>
5: blood is cool (laughs) they do everything they do every
3: fucking movie tv show ever made now they're an empire and it's wonderful
0: yeah i mean so much so like bert howard berger won
3: for them yeah
0: like they're winning academy awards now too like howard berger took home was it two three years ago when was the last of the uh of the narnia films Anyway, that year they took home they took home Terry an award for.
2: <laughs> <laughs> on, I haven't seen any of those on Narnia. <laughs> Shut up! Why, why uh,
0: you-
1: <laughs> what? What? <laughs> uh,
2: They're
3: good movies.
2: I've never seen them.
3: It's just it's really They're fucking good. awesome because if you're a horror fan and like we are, it's been amazing to see them start. From the fucking beginning, you know, with the Evil Dead, just seeing those guys come together, join together—you know—we've all seen the behind-the-scenes stuff, and and it's really cool. Them, just seeing them like instantly all get along, and and just starting from fucking nowhere when no one did that shit to the empire they are today. It's it's been great, cause like you know we all watch special features and we all get to finally, you know, it's been an age of getting to see behind the scenes and so we've been able to kind of follow their career too and I don't know, I think it's just really cool to see the, to be a part, or be able to see the whole journey, you know, from from where those three guys started to this huge fucking thing that they are now.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Absolutely, you know, and back in the eighties when these guys were, you know, uh, coming together and building their empire per se, and we um, were watching them grow, you know, we didn't have the luxury of, of DVD features and stuff. We learned everything from Fangoria magazine for the most part. You know, Fangoria's was a was a crucial element in bringing a lot of these guys into the spotlight. Like Savini himself was like the freaking. You know the pinup boy from Fangoria for you know, a good decades. So. It was kind of like the first one that Fangoria brought into the spotlight.
3: And it's only in Fangoria that you could call that ugly bastard a pinup.
0: up <laughs> <laughs> for sure, true, true.
3: But makeup, special makeup effects allowed. You know, not just the pretty boy to get famous in their own way. You know that. <laughs>
0: So I have two K&B effects moments that stand out for me. I'm not saying this is their best body of work. I really think a lot of stuff they're doing nowadays on Walking Dead is amazing. Um, and what I think is also great about it is that they do a good job of kind of integrating uh, practical with digital. So it's, it's cool that you can get both worlds to blend. For me, though, two, two films... Um, they did, they did a movie called The Horror Show. Anybody seen that? No. Nope. Okay, The Horror Show, starring Lance Hendrickson. You've heard of that, that motherfucker, right? Yes. Alright. Um, uh, and it's kind of, it kind of reminds you a bit of maybe like a, like a Freddy Krueger type of character, or maybe more directly, um, like a shocker kind of guy, um, Stars, I cannot remember the character actor's name for the life of me. Dang it, what is his name? Uh, he was in, like, Crime Wave, and, oh, God, he was a really ugly guy that uh, always played the, the heavy in movies and stuff like that. But anyway, anyway, regardless, he was the main bad guy of this movie. Um, and Lance Hendrickson, he was like a serial killer, and Lance Hendrickson was this cop that, that uh, finally arrested him and put him away, and he got put on... Uh, he got sent to the electric chair, and once he died, his like spirit haunted Lance Hendrickson and his family in, in his home. And, and chaos ensued. Um, fun fact about the horror show is that the horror show um, in foreign markets was released as House 3. So uh, anybody out there who's extremely knowledgeable of the House movies, there was House 1, with William Cat and all that, uh, directed by Steve Miner, House Two: The Second Story, um, mm-hmm. with ghost cowboys and whatever, zombie cowboys and dinosaurs. Okay, that movie's weird. Then, then there was House Four, released in the early nineties. They never did a House Three in the states because the horror show was House Three mm-hmm. in in all other foreign markets. Regardless, I digress. My favorite thing, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of practical effects going on. It's another one of those effects extravaganza '80s blowout films. The horror show is. There's like a scene where Lance Hendrickson rips his chest open. There's like, you know, there's all kinds of like melting flesh and popping veins going on when the bad guy's getting electrocuted. A lot of effects work's going on. Um, a lot of body parts strewn everywhere, one kinds of stuff. My favorite effects moment in the entire movie has always stood out. And it was a k and and it's cheesy as hell, and that's probably why it stands out. There's a moment, because a, a lot of what's happening Lance Hendrickson is like delusions and whatnot. So there's a moment they're sitting down at the family table to have dinner, and they're having turkey, and they open up the, the thing, the platter thing, to reveal the turkey, and the turkey has a head on it, and it turns, and it's got the bad guy's face on the turkey's face, and it's talking to Lance Hendrickson, and then it grows tentacles, and it's the most ridiculous thing I've seen ever on celluloid, and it's an amazing KMB effect shot. So there you go. So that that one's always been a fan favorite of mine. And then um, just to be able to work him into another episode of Attack of the Killer podcast, uh, they did the Rambo bodysuit for Weird Al in the movie UHF.
5: <laughs> yes, I love that.
0: Yeah, that was a KMBFX effect. It
5: looks so good.
0: (laughs) I know, it's
1: seamless.
0: (laughs) Looks just like Weird Al's real chest. (laughs) Anyway. Anybody else have anything to say about KMBFX?
2: Well, I mean, if I had to choose some... I mean, if I had to pick a special effects artists out of a crowd of celebrities there are very few that i would be able to do that with i mean tom Savini's an obvious one that's pretty easy but um i was gonna say howard berger would be the other one like just from seeing all of the behind the scenes stuff on evil dead and nightmare and all that sort of stuff he would be one of the few that i could actually pick out of a crowd so i was like watching the The Nightmare documentary, and... I was like, oh shit, I know who that is! And I was proud of myself.
5: (laughs) Yeah, you can't miss that handlebar. Yeah. Yeah, totally.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Um, Back to the uh, Nightmare Factory documentary, though. Again, highly recommend everybody check it out. It's streaming on Netflix. Do you feel, Dustin, that it got a little preachy on the practical versus... um, digital
5: side of things. Well from that documentary you said? Yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah. They're it seems like they're almost one hundred percent practical. I mean
0: Yeah, I want and like throughout the entire documentary, like Nicotero won't let it go. He just keeps coming back to that and, and the whole world of practical versus digital.
3: Yeah, but like, call bullshit on that, because like, I I mean, I love The Walking Dead as much as the next guy, but it's, The Walking Dead's basically a CGI show now, or it seems like it has been for years, and...
0: That's what I'm saying, though, that's what I was gonna, I was gonna, I'm gonna agree with you on that one, because it's like, I want to call bullshit on it too, because if he's one of the main producers, and he's directing episodes, and it's his effects team doing the practical effects... There is a shit ton of CGI still a going on in that show. A shit
3: ton. But I
0: think it's a good. I think it's a good blend. So, like, what bugs me I is I don't hey,
3: agree. But yes, go ahead.
0: You don't. Think, you don't <laughs> no, think they do a good well, job of blending
3: both? Way too much CGI. It's all it is.
0: Well, some of that stuff is over the top. Like, I hate you know. We've discussed it before on CGI blood. Never looks good. But take like well, the things I think work is like. The half of the half rot the half a zombie you see in the very first episode is crawling on the ground.
3: Well, yeah, that's the pilot. I mean, they spent time; they had time to work on that. Of course, that's cool, and I get why they do more CGI now because they're trying to pump out episodes. But it's all CGI now.
0: Well, as as the show progresses, like it feels like the uh, the budgets get less and less. so which is crazy to think about, but...
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Well, they're still doing makeup, right? I mean, they still still doing all the... All the zombies. I mean, Way they're not Daisy zombies, right? What?
0: Daisy
5: Or War-Z. World oh, War-Z? War <laughs> not Day-Z.
0: <laughs>
3: they're, I mean... I think all the... all the, Any of the close-up ones are definitely... They're all made up
1: yeah
0: but yeah but I'm I I agree with you I think it's like for being for as much as he bitched on the documentary about CGI a show that he is a producer on and directs episodes of he still uses a lot of CGI he may not have a choice though I don't know Believe me, believe me I've, I've, I've directed a movie before where I didn't want to use any CGI, but I got stuck having CGI
3: in the movie. Oh, you did? What movie was that? Collapse! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and how'd that go? How you feel about that?
0: That's <laughs> why so I was shocked that you brought up the head explosion as one of your favorite head explosions of all
3: time. But People scream and shout. They must think it's cool.
0: The reason, reason why it doesn't linger on the shot too long. (laughs) Anyway, never mind, never mind. Anyway, anything else about uh, K and B? So, John, what about you? A favorite effects artist?
4: Oh, you would have to say that. Um, let's see. That is the episode, John. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so John, man, this is. the thought we was just, I thought we was just on here talking this and chatting
1: for a couple yeah. of hours.
4: <laughs>
1: uh,
4: let's well, see. Good. Terry's busting balls. All right. If you don't <laughs> know names, that's fine. But. <laughs> um, I'm 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 torn between two. Um. One I boy I've one has more stuff, but the other one is so there's a few effects that I just absolutely loved and I've loved for a long time. I'm gonna say close to my favorite would have to be Carlo Rambaldi. Nice. He did uh, of course did e t. He did Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. He was the constructor of King Kong in the 76 movie. Um, He actually did King Kong Lives with Linda Hamilton in 86. Yeah, but don't hold that one against him. No, I don't. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But probably one of my, I mean, other than the the big, and he did the um, head effects in Alien for 79, but probably one of my favorite uh, favorite ones that, that I really like is the Silver Bullet uh he did the werewolf suit in that I like the I like the uh, the effects my favorite thing is silver bullet though isn't so much the main the main werewolf so much I think it's more of that shot um, in the church when the dream sequence where all of them all of the people are turning into the werewolves oh yeah 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 that's probably my more of my favorite than the actual um uh, main werewolf uh, but I like I do like the uh, transformation um, part where he uh, where he's um, the cop finds him and tells him he's going to have to come with him and he says it's not my fault that's probably and he starts to change I really like that that part too um, I'm not sure if he had if he had something to do with that or if he was just the suit creator for the for the werewolf suit but. But Carlo Rambaldi is probably one of my, probably one of my favorites. anybody,
0: anybody else have anything to say on Carlo Rambaldi?
3: Carlo Carlo
5: Bamflibby. I didn't know he did all that stuff. Awesome.
0: And He's one of the Italian guys too, right? Yeah.
4: Yes. Uh, and he, actually, to... he actually passed away in 2012. Oh no, kidding. Yep.
0: I was trying to look him up real quick because uh, I can't remember everything he's done.
3: You know a name we haven't mentioned yet? Who I'm mm. a big fan of. Who's that? Rob boutine Yeah. Kind of th- Kind of made a pretty cool movie. or
0: Yeah. What movie's that? It
3: was some...
4: Thing. no that's the thing you, silly <laughs>
3: piece.
4: you know i was I was torn with choosing him, but uh Rambaldi just had some uh, there was some of the movies that I really loved growing up that i you know and he did the effects for, so that's you know that's why I chose him, although Botine has done a lot of stuff that I've liked, but went with rambaldi for for that but but Botine has done a lot of neat stuff, a lot of neat stuff. Yeah, very
0: much so. I mean, obviously, the highlight of his career probably will always be the thing. And those, and I almost decided, I almost thought about choosing that as my favorite effects shot of all time, because <laughs> the shit that goes on in that movie effects-wise is crazy.
3: <laughs> Some fever yeah. dream of creativity, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, too, also with that uh, said, that uh, <clears throat> not only is it, like, just really good-looking effects, but, yeah, a lot of creativity had to go into to all that. I mean, who thinks of a freaking severed head, upside down, sprouting <laughs> spider legs and antennae and crawling out of the room?
3: Yeah. yeah. Who, who does, or could admit
4: to thinking that, yeah.
0: Who comes up with
4: that <laughs> shit and not be on acid? <laughs> well, nobody's... And said, I- you know. Yes. Yeah, sure. is, is that your favorite effect from the movie Mike that's mine I love the part where the head separates and it comes you know stretches down and
0: dude it's tough for me because there's so many good moments it's a toss up between okay top three
1: <laughs> <laughs> Top
0: three, I think <laughs> um, god damn wait a minute the dog's cool too top four um, the the head sprouting legs crawling out the door and of course you got the great tagline right at the end of it you gotta be fucking kidding me Um <laughs> It goes along with that so well, but the beginning of that of that whole sequence when they're doing the resuscitating the guy with the paddles and the chest opens up and bites the bites the hands yeah, that's off of my that favorite. guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: that's wow. freaking
0: awesome. But <laughs> a much smaller one, and I appreciate the smaller stuff too because it's like. It's even more outrageous to, that they pulled that off than something like a head growing legs or a chest opening up with sprouting teeth. But when they're testing the blood, and that blood shoots up out of the freaking, out of the the freaking dish, just that single yeah. shot there is freaking mm-hmm. amazing to me. Because again, it's just like how'd they do that?
4: Oh, and then that character of Palmer, when, when they do the blood test and then they feel that he starts shaking and then his eyes start getting really big and popping out of his head and he starts, you know, changing. That's awesome, too.
0: Yeah, and then he, like, shoots up and hits the ceiling and then he's just got, like, these, he's, like, just fleshy tentacle things, like, waving all around and, yeah, very, very cool. Oh, and that part
3: where Kurt Russell dies. <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> oh, wait, that was that was fan fiction. I'm sorry oh my god stay dreaming <laughs> sorry guys
0: <laughs> uh, so yeah that movie is just and I know we've talked about the thing balls quite a bit to the too wall. just on the effect side of things yes balls to the wall trying to remember other stuff Rob Rob Botine has done uh, did I write them down let me look I did ha! <laughs> So Rob Bottin came from the Rick Baker school. He started off doing a lot of work with uh, being Rick Baker's protege. And I think Rick Baker even kind of helped him out a bit. Well, maybe it was on... Because, wait, uh, the howling. Rob O'Teen did the howling, and I think Rick Baker helped him out on that, even though Rick Baker... Was busy doing *Merry Werewolf London* at the same time, so both movies featuring kick-ass werewolf transformation sequences, kick-ass-looking werewolves, even though they're completely different styles, um, by two by two effects artists that that used to work together. So, um, but uh, so yeah, so *The Howling* I think is another another Robo team masterpiece. I like my werewolves to be on two legs, and I like the oversized, overpowering werewolves, like the howling or um, dog soldiers. This is a really another really cool-looking, like, just, you know, seven-foot-tall on two-leg werewolves with giant, freaking cartoonish ears and huge... The Waxworks werewolf is another really good one I like that. Those are my favorite werewolves. So that's why I really like the howling a lot. Um... He did work on the Twilight Zone movie, so I think like Rob Bottin, you know, he started off working side by side with Rick Baker on a lot of being kind of his protege. They worked on the Fury together. Uh, They they worked on Star Wars together. Uh, You know, the '76 King Kong and a few other things. Uh, And then like Rob Bottin went off on his own and did Piranha for uh, John Landis, not John Landis, Joe Dante. And Joe Dante, being famous for, you know, making friendships and using a lot of the same people over and over again, like used Rob in a lot of other movies, like The Howling, Twilight Zone, The Movie, Explorers. So they work side by side quite a bit. Anybody have anything else they want to say about Robo Team?
2: I see Total Recall on there.
0: Yep, yep. So boob, yeah. Raboteen is in, is responsible for three boobs. Yes. <laughs> he also did on, he did work on Seven. Nice. That's got some gruesome stuff in that movie. Mhm. Love it. What's in the box? <laughs> he, I think, is responsible. <laughs> I'll just keep going. Whatever. Huh. I think he's responsible for I think some of the coolest creations to come out of the 80s. Um, he did I can't remember I can't remember Tim Curry's character's name, but he did the the Frank yes. No. <laughs> he did the Tim Curry devil creature in um, Legend. Legend. Mhm. Yeah, which again, that's an amazing makeup. How those giant horns that are twice the size of freaking Tim Curry stayed on the top of that guy's head, I have no idea.
3: I think they just used glue.
0: There's no <laughs> amount of glue in the world that would be able to hold those freaking things up there. They had to also been holding them up with like monofilament or something, which is the effects person's term for fishing string. Anyway. So there's that. Isn't he? Wasn't he also the creator of the RoboCop look?
2: Uh, it says that he worked on it. It doesn't say that he designed it, but
0: okay. Here's the thing: when I was doing my research, are you on IMDb right now? Yeah. Here's the challenging thing about special makeup effects artists on IMDb: you really got to look at all their credits because sometimes they'll be they'll they'll have some credits listed under makeup artist then they'll have other credits listed under special, special effects, effects
1: artist yeah
0: yeah then they'll have you know their their entire effects body of work could be listed under like three or four different names when i was going through and and, and writing out some of these myself i was like wait a minute i i know this person worked on such and such movie but it's not on there and I had to go and look, and i was like, "Oh, okay, there it is. It's it's listed under special effects, not makeup effects." So it's kind of it's kind of be a gray area. And I swear I thought I read on IMDb that he created the design of RoboCop, but I I could be wrong. Not possible. Yeah, that's that's true too.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of scattered. I mean, it says like he created the costume design for RoboCop two. Yeah. And was in special effects on 3 and then he was makeup on 1, so who the fuck knows. So Mike <laughs>
3: just saw the word RoboCop and thought that was it, probably.
0: <laughs> no. But but should... keep... <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. What, go... No, you go ahead. Oh, yeah, was... I was changing the subject. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think Robotine's best work, by far, is Humanoids from the Deep.
1: Uh-huh. I'm just saying,
0: <laughs> Humanoids from the Deep. If you have not seen it, you need to see it. If you've seen it before, watch it again. from Deep. Right? Right? Yeah, that's good. Alright, that's all I have to say about Robo Roboteam.
4: Okay. Now, I see on the list that the movie Basic Instinct's on there from 92. I've seen that movie. Now, does that mean that I mean, I know there I know there was I believe a stabbing with an ice pick, is that right, in the movie? I think. Um, it's been so long. I uh, yeah,
2: I don't know. remember.
4: But I also remember another scene with Sharon Stone <laughs> where she's talking to the the detectives. Now, does that mean that Botie <laughs> You know, I know you know where I'm going with this, you know where I'm going with this. Does that mean he was down there slapping makeup and foam on her hoo ha? Pro- that, that wasn't that, that wasn't real. Well I'm just asking. I I'm a prosthetic- very I'm a very yes, I'm a very curious person when it comes to special effects. And uh, <laughs> I wanna know if yeah, that that's was real. Yeah, I'm very curious. I want to know if that was real or if that was Botine's handiwork. Hmm. That's a
2: good question. I don't know. I doubt it's her real bej.
4: Of course, it is.
2: In your dreams. Oh <laughs> <Well>, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that, that's
4: that's the only thing I had to say about Botine right now. I just I was just curious. I seen that on the list, so I had to bring that up.
0: Oh, well, uh, awesome.
3: I was just thinking of another head trauma if the staircase and high tension counts for your list or not.
0: Oh, I don't know if that'd be a full-on head explosion, but that's freaking a kick-ass moment. Yeah, for sure. Great special effects on that movie, too. I don't know who did them. (laughs) Hmm, So we haven't talked about Rick Baker yet. I mentioned that Rabotine kind of Came from underneath Rick Baker's wing, um, or in Rick Baker's case, uh, um, not so much a wing, but a ape arm.
1: Because
0: hmm. Rick Baker's done a lot of apes. That's all I'm saying. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Come on.
3: Yeah, like yeah. what? Ape wise. Oh.
0: I just I I'm just gonna put throw this out there that I don't think there is any other makeup effects artist that has punched more hair
1: <laughs> than
0: Rick Baker. That's I mean look at it you know he, he worked on '76's King Kong, he um he helped out on The Howling while he was doing American Werewolf in London. He did Grace gray The Legend of Tarzan. He did a movie called Rat Boy. He did Harry and the Hendersons. He did Wolf. Um, uh, uh, well, um. You need hair, you get Rick Baker. That's what I'm saying. You need you need hairy freaking guys, you, you need to get Rick Baker. He did um, the 2010 Wolfman. He did Cursed. He did the TV series Beauty and the Beast with uh, Linda Hamilton and Ron Perlman. Remember that show? Yep. So you can get
3: typecast as an effects artist, I see.
0: Uh, kinda, I guess, right? Because a lot of them, he did a lot of monkeys. You know, <laughs> like Planet of the Apes, Gorillas in the Mist, Mighty Joe Young, King Kong. A lot of monkey work. A lot of, a lot of. He did the Grinch and How the Grinch Stole Christmas. <laughs> the guy is very familiar with hair. That probably explains his beautiful silver long ponytail he's got
4: (laughs) and how many people did it take to work on 76's king kong we've got him we got boteen we've got ranaldi we've we've named like three or four yeah
0: but and that was something i saw too you know it's like a lot of these guys probably especially back in the early 80s kind of worked for each other like if rick baker was the main guy then so and so you know that was the main guy in another film probably worked under him on such and such you know but you want to talk about a body work like Rick Baker's got a pretty big body work besides just doing hairy creatures um he worked on Star Wars you could probably guess about every effects guy in the industry especially ones trying to make a name for themselves worked on Star Wars but uh Everything from like Star Wars to the to It's Alive, um, Videodrome, of, and of course Michael Jackson's Thriller video. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, some, but some of my favorite work uh, from him was like stuff like Coming to America. You know, his white old man makeup he did on Annie Murphy is still one of the great. Um real makeups I've ever seen in a film. He, um, also worked on Escape from L.A., Jason. <laughs> oh, he's not talking no. to me now. Kurt but-
3: Russell's in Escape from L.A., Jason. <laughs> I know. I know.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay. But,
0: this is amazing body work. The man is one. Several awards. is uh, won one of the most. He's one of the most famous effects artists for winning an Academy Award for *American War of London*. Um, that's probably what got him typecast doing all these hairy creatures. But for me, two of my favorite moments in his career is doing the worms crawling into the guy's face in the movie *Squirm*.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And. ...doing the effects work on The Incredible Melting Man. Hmm. Guys, have you seen that one? No. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> but it's awesome. It's awesome, because... ...the killer in this movie... ...is a man that's just melting from the entire movie. And they explain it that the more he melts, the stronger he gets... It's ridiculous Hmm. but awesome Rick Baker did the uh, did the monster would you call him a monster in Funhouse we talked about Toby Hooper last episode Toby Hooper's Funhouse he did the makeup effects on that guy and that so pretty huge awesome body of work Anything anybody has to say about Rick Baker?
2: Did we say he did all the Men in Black movies? Because that's pretty awesome work.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. He did the Men in Black films.
2: Not really horror, but you
0: know. No, and but that's but it's still there's great stuff in those movies effects wise for sure. Mm-hmm. And he did all three, didn't he?
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's cool that they brought him back. You know, because you see a lot of times in, like, franchises and stuff like that, they don't always stick with the same effects artist. Right. And because of that, you definitely get different looks when it comes to the effects.
1: Mm-hmm. Now
0: I don't know if it's just because it's Rick Baker, so they brought him back all three times, especially considering the gap between two and three. They could have gone any direction by then. Mm-hmm. Or if it's the fact that Rick Baker kind of created this universe of, of these mm-hmm. aliens and so on. Yeah. And so to, to keep the look the, sim, the same, keep the look similar, the design, the basic design's the same. And that's why you would bring them back. I would think that would be an important key to that to that franchise, or any franchise, really. Just keeping the, that, that, uh, that universe look the same. Another under very underrated makeup for Rick Baker is he did um Martin Landau's uh Bella Lagosi makeup mm-hmm. for Ed Wood.
1: Mhm. Mhm.
0: Which is awesome cuz he looks like freaking Bella Lugosi in that movie. <laughs> Anything else about Rick Baker?
2: Um it has a, The Frighteners listed too that he did the makeup for the judge in that movie.
0: And that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, the judge is probably my favorite makeup in that movie with the jaw falling off and. Yeah. And again, like, you know, missing all of his guts, his ribs exposed and all that stuff.
3: How the hell did that movie flop?
1: I
0: know! <laughs> that movie should have been. Not a flop. Not a flop. <laughs> <laughs> got Peter Jackson. You've got freaking Michael J. Fox. You've got Peter Jackson.
1: Right? <laughs>
0: you got D. Wallace Stone. For crying out loud. You got Peter Jackson.
2: Man, I thought it was so crazy when I was watching the uh, the Nightmare documentary that Peter Jackson was almost the writer for one of the movies. But they turned down his script.
0: Not just one of the movies. Freddy's freaking dead. How right. awesome would Freddy's dead would have would have been? I don't it was know if Jacks
3: could have been any better than that. Are
0: you going there?
3: <laughs> what
0: you saying? Freddy's dead. is... I love Freddy's
3: dead. I love them all. Yeah. Especially Super Freddy.
0: Oh my God! you now you just <laughs> now you're just doing it all on purpose.
3: Ain't nothing wrong with Super Freddy. Thank you. Get some Super Freddy love. It's nothing right with Super <laughs> Freddy either. <laughs> oh.
0: I'll, I How about
3: that s- makeup, huh? Black and white makeup.
0: I will still take Super Freddy over anything in Freddy's dead.
3: Oh, huh. Even Alice Cooper. I'm sure. I just can't believe you just said that.
0: I knew you'd go there too as soon as <laughs> I said it. Yeah, that's like one of the most
5: brutal parts. He's just as sneezy as
0: that is the best part. Like Alice Cooper is Freddie's dad, and uh, the young guy they got to play young Freddie was creepy as hell too. He was enjoying getting whipped
3: and all that jazz. Yeah. I thought but, it was Freddie on a broom, but yeah, Alice Cooper's really cool <laughs> too. Freddie on a freaking broom,
2: doing the
0: Wicked Witch. I mean, seriously, <laughs> come That's on, hilarious.
2: It's so good.
3: Thank More the, you. Or the a Freddy Krueger powered glove. Oh, yeah. amazing! Mm-hmm. Right, Dustin, you had to nah. love that. Great graphics, so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All alone on this one, Mike.
0: I guess that's <laughs> so Freddy. I'll just I'll be alone
4: in my hatred. I'm cool with that. Freddy
2: Krueger can do no wrong. Okay. That's right.
4: Yeah. But it was cool in the theaters with the 3D glasses. That was
0: yeah. Cool. I did enjoy that. I did enjoy it, you know. We saw in the theater. theater long before this day and age, when every other movie comes out in 3D, so it was a treat. Mm-hmm. You hadn't seen 3D since the early was, 80s, man. The old red and yeah.
3: 3D. Yeah. yeah, red and blue 3D. So it was kind of sure. shitty, but it was still cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so going from... <laughs> So, going from a special effects artist that does a lot of hairy things to a special effects artist that does a lot of robots, and that's Stan Winston.
1: Woo!
3: Stan the man.
0: Who also has passed on,
1: which Aww. sucks.
0: Yeah. Oh, you know what I realized, too?
3: Maybe that's why CGI is taking over.
0: <laughs> All the good ones are dying off. Yeah. But I, as I looked up his filmography, I don't remember seeing um, *Wrong Turn* on there. Now I gotta go back and look. I Don't have it in my notes. Cause I thought I thought Stan Winston, Stan Winston did the effects for that. I also he also I thought directed it, didn't he?
3: Yeah.
5: Wrong Turn.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think so.
5: I'm looking. <laughs>
0: The... He's got four directing credits here.
1: And oh shit! I forgot them. about.
0: That. What? You're right. You're right. It's not. But I did forget too that he did. Uh, he directed Pumpkinhead. Oh yeah. Which I thought he created the design on that too. So what's going on? So that's not on my list either. <laughs> okay. <What>? Under, co- <laughs> under costume for Stan Winston under costume department. Um, he did the Wookiee family costumes for the Star Wars Holiday Special.
3: Yes! Yes! Yeah. Uh.
0: Go Stan Winston! <laughs>
3: you bastard. <laughs>
0: Alright, well, come on. This is not... Something's not right here. I thought... Stan Winston worked on
2: those movies.
3: He wasn't you the director? You thought
2: wrong. You thought wrong, Mike. Yes. It's shit mixed up in your brain.
1: Hmm. It's bullshit. <laughs> hmm.
0: I'm perplexed.
2: Of Wrong Turn? Well, why don't we just look up Wrong Turn?
1: That's, That's cool. Nice.
0: <laughs> That's too easy. I'd rather slow the, uh, slow the show down to a Director,
2: enough. Rob Schmidt.
3: Uh who? <laughs> Hillbillies done by Yeah. Stan Winston. You know, IMDB can be wrong, you know. Yeah, I know. Oh. You do know. I do. Screeching halt. Come on, Mike.
0: So, Stan Winston's early career, he started with a a TV movie in 1972. It was one of my insane picks uh, quite a while ago. A movie called Gargoyles, which, you know, comparatively, by today's standards, you could maybe say the effects are kind of laughable. But I still think they look kind of kick-ass. I like the designs of the gargoyles and stuff in it. Um, I mean, it's it's guys in heavy makeup and... In gargoyle suits, but uh, they still look pretty. Ba, and it even won Stan Winston an Emmy, I think, uh, for the effects work on that. Yeah, he did something called Bat People in '74, which I'm dying to see. With a name like that, um, so he did a lot of he did a lot of crappy B movies there for a while, like Doctor Black and Mr. Hyde, Dracula's Dog. Then anyway, I think he really got his first big break with The Whiz in '78. This is where it's going to start coming into play. I'm talking about um, um, how he's known for doing a lot of robot work, um, you know, because he did like Tin Man and the Wiz and all the others and that. Uh, but what would what would be his most famous robot of all time? That's right, Terminator. Terminator? That's, right. <laughs> That's right, the Terminator. <laughs> He created the Terminator um, robot, and he worked on at least the first three Terminator movies.
3: Didn't I just see Dustin with a picture with Michael Bean? That's right. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good
5: story, Jason. Good job. <laughs> 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 I'm saving literally. I'm saving everything for our convention episode. So, oh.
4: otherwise, I would have elaborated. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, I can't contribute to that episode. So sorry.
5: Oh. <laughs> You've been to a convention, haven't you, John? You've been
1: to
4: oh. A oh, oh, oh! I thought it was just on the one you just went to. Okay, no, uh, yes, well, I can. I that's I can. the only one I've been to. So that's
0: the
3: only one I'm going to be able
0: to talk
4: about. <laughs> yeah,
0: it'll oh. be on a broad conversation of. of so
3: convention. it's about chicks now. Oh. What is it? What <laughs>
0: Sorry. So he also <laughs> created the look of the predator, Stan Winston did the Predator. Nice. And he and his last thing he ever did was the creating the Iron Man suit, so now full circle on doing robots and machines and stuff like that. So he created the Tooth Fairy on Darkness Falls. Everybody remember Darkness Falls? I hated that movie. <laughs> why did you hate it
4: why'd you hate it so much?
0: I don't remember because I haven't seen it since the theater. I just remember hating it. So uh, I kind of want to go back and watch it, see if I'd still hate it. Uh, I honestly don't remember. I could have just. I been bet you'd still hate it. Yeah. I have. A, I think in my mind it was part of my um, early two thousands snobbery when it came to the horror movies that came out in the early two thousands. Mm. But you still think it sucks, Dustin?
5: Yeah, I remember that, like, I used to work at Radio Shack, and we would just turn on the movie channel, and we I would just watch movies all day, and I remember watching that one, (laughs) and it was just, it was just awful. I remember it was just, it just seemed like one of those cheap horror movies that go into the theater for, like, those cheap scares, and it's, you know, there's nobody in it, and it's just... I don't know, I'm trying to think of something similar to it, like, um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now, but, you know, just like one of those horror movies that are just to, to cash in on that first week in the box office and then you never hear or see from it ever again.
4: After this show show airs, Dustin will be getting a check from or a letter from Radio Shack or a phone call and saying, uh, "Please uh, send all that money back that we paid you while you were watching."
1: The movies. <laughs>
4: I tell them to go fuck
5: themselves.
0: Okay. And what are you doing watching R rated movies on the sales floor?
4: Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Was that the so, was that the um, one with the, tooth, with the tooth fairy? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah.
0: Which I think had an action figure, because that was like, that movie came out in the early days of the movie Maniacs, Tom McFarlane movie Maniacs, uh, action figure line, and somehow I think just because it was a movie that was popular, or not popular, but movie that was coming out and had a lot of buzz at the time, they did a figure on it. Mm-hmm. Out of all the freaking iconic... Creations they could have made action figures out of. They they picked the freaking Tooth Fairy that one, and then like another one that always bothered me was they did one of the Blair Witch. But the fuck? Fa- there you never see the Blair Witch. How can you make an action figure of that?
5: Yeah. <laughs> Conceptual, like concept.
0: Yeah, and of course it was dumb. it was dumb looking it it looked like a tree person kind of thing, whatever and I only say it's dumb only because like you're never going to be able to now, especially after that movie came out and the second movie you're never going to be able to create what the Blair Witch looks like that's going to match the anticipation of it or our own fan fiction brain of what the Blair Witch should look like it's not going to ever match up so Another mess on uh, Todd McFarlane's
3: part.
4: <clears throat> did anybody say if they um, if they ever found out if Stan Winston was involved with Wrong Turn or not? No. Because well, I, I found a... I didn't know if anybody had said it, but I found the page that says it was produced by Stan Winston. Oh, he produced it? Uh-huh. Okay.
0: I still want to say it was at least his studio that did the effects... Like, he may not have been directly involved in it, but, like, his, his team was probably the, the head effects guys on it. I was, I'm just going to stick to that. <laughs> so, oh, heartbeeps. Anybody ever seen heartbeeps?
4: Mm. Well, it's been years and years since I've seen that.
0: With Andy Kaufman and Bernadette Peters.
4: Yeah. I have,
0: I have it on DVD. I forgot how horrible that movie is. It's awesome. It's probably one of the worst movies of all time. (laughs) But he did the uh, effects, he did the makeup effects on that too. So, again, more robots and machinery and stuff. Okay, so there is only one right answer to this question, but we'll go down the line and you tell me your favorite Stan Winston movie, your favorite effects that Stan Winston did in a movie. Dustin. Um. A- Aliens. Wrong, Terry.
2: The D- D- Terminator.
0: Ooh, good guess. Wrong, Jason.
3: <laughs> I'm going to say it. Godzilla.
5: <laughs> he's right? Is he right?
0: No, he's not right.
4: <clears throat> oh. <laughs>
1: <John>. Damn.
0: <laughs> okay,
4: what's what's been the answer so far? <laughs> uh, Aliens, which is uh-huh. a
0: really good, which is a really good guess, because I got to do hand it to, Stan Winston. Uh, Aliens is another iconic film for Stan Winston, um, effects wise. Terry said Terminator, which again we've already discussed. Stan Winston's well known for his robots and stuff. Jason said Godzilla. <laughs> Not exactly sure which Godzilla he's referring to. <laughs> I'm gonna guess the '60s Soho Godzilla, where Godzilla fought King Kong. Either
4: way, he's wrong, though, right?
0: <laughs> so, John, please help us with the right
4: answer. Oh, shit. Um, the Monster Squad.
0: Yes, ding, 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 Can ding. Did I get it? What? You got it right. The Monster Squad. Yeah.
2: I didn't see that he did that. Oh, okay.
0: It's there. It's in one of his. It list is. Of credits.
2: It's it's there. Okay. Under his special effects credits.
5: Hey, hey, Mike! I just got word from the judges that I was actually right with. Uh,
1: so.
0: <laughs> You're gonna pick that over Monster Squad, so it's not Godzilla.
5: I think he needs to go back and rewatch Aliens. <laughs>
0: Oh, this is, no, this is interesting, though. I need to, I, I need to dig into this. Because I was, I was always on the impression Monster Squad's one of your favorites.
5: I like mm-hmm. the creature. I love the creature in Monster Squad. Mm-hmm. But, man, Aliens is, like, consistent okay. throughout the entire movie. I mean, it's just, but, of course, you know, that's probably helped with James Cameron, but, man. Well, he may
0: have something to do with the movie, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I didn't. Re- I just didn't realize. Oh, but no, don't let,
5: don't, don't <laughs> let, don't think that I like hate
0: the Monster oh, Squad me. at
5: all. Like, We've
0: discussed yeah. the Monster Squad at nauseum. I know you don't hate it, so I'm not mm-hmm. worried about that.
5: I mean, I just, you know, I, I love the creature, but man, that's it's great. But aliens, I think it's just consistent front to back. So it's the right, that's the right answer. Come on.
0: <laughs> 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 but back to the Monster Squad. Um. So, yes, I think Dustin hit the nail on the head for me. My favorite monster in the movie is the creature, which it sucks because he gets the least amount of screen time. Yeah, gets blown away by Fat Kid, and then, he, then that's it. Um, snaps a few cops next, but that you know doesn't really get the height, the spotlight. Man, it sucks. So the Gill Man is my favorite. Sounds like it's Dustin's favorite. Uh, who's your favorite monster from the Monster Squad, John? Uh,
4: I would say probably the the Gilman, probably. Nice, nice. Terry? Hmm.
2: I mean, I like the creature, but yeah, like you said, he doesn't get a lot of screen time. I'm going to be different and say the Wolfman.
0: So the Wolfman's really good, too, and uh, the Wolfman, the life cast that they built, the Wolfman off of was Stan Winston's life cast, like the the look of the wolfman is modeled after Stan Winston's face, kind of built Parental. off of Stan Winston's face yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly
0: he is, he is
3: and Jason? my my, my monster squad. I would, uh, Frankie <laughs> oh, you picked Frankie
0: old, uh, what's Tom his name? Manon. Tom and yeah Who's almost as scary out of makeup as he is in makeup?
3: It was pretty funny uh, at the Monster Squad panel. Sorry, Terry, on Friday night. <laughs>
1: um,
3: I swear there was one time where like Frank and Tom Noonan kind of came up, and everyone was just like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> They, didn't, like, they totally. They don't like yeah, they totally didn't answer or respond to anything about him, and was just, and then he seemed kind of like, uh, "It's Tom Noonan." <laughs> <laughs> well, and then they also weren't too fond
0: when I asked him about uh, working with Fred Decker.
1: Yeah,
3: they kind of right. just grinned politely, and then went on to talk about the producer.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which they 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 made it sound like the producer did a lot more directing than the than Fred Decker did. So, mm. so yeah, so two three for Gilman, one for Werewolf, one for Frankenstein's Monster. No love for the Mummy though. That's a bummer.
5: <laughs> well, come <on>. well,
0: <laughs> I still think the Mummy's look was pretty badass though. This is a good makeup. Hell especially yeah. Especially considering that the mummy looks super thin. And anytime you're doing a makeup or a costume, you're building up. So that guy who had to play the mummy had to have been like a freaking stick. I'm just saying.
2: Chris.
0: Terry hates sticks. Um. <laughs> The, but the gill man's just cool, because his like gills moved, and his mouth moved, and like he would be gasping for air like a fish out of water the whole time. It was like, awesome. Yeah. Squeaky chair. Squeaky chair agrees. Anything else about Stan Winston?
4: I see he did uh, the, and we've talked about this movie before, too, uh... The remake of Invaders from Mars in '86. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I. So he must have done the uh, the big monster things and all of that. That was cool. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, those were pretty cool. Um, the kind of the two legged
0: round ball creature things.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And he did Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. Uncredited, he helped out on that. Yeah.
5: Oh yeah, that's my favorite.
0: <laughs> of the of the Friday thirteenth? Yeah. Yes. Seriously.
1: Yeah.
5: I thought oh, okay. I've said this before. I okay. think I'm joking.
0: It's hard to tell with you.
5: I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Has anybody ever seen *Dead and Buried* though? Mm. No. Eighty-one. Really, really awesome. It was a script done by um, uh, Dan O'Bannon. I can't remember the director's name it's got a it's got an early film career performance of Robert England in it but Stan Winston did the effects on it and to me it's got one of the most you know Jason had talked about before one of his favorite effect shots is the because it's so gross and gruesome the, the veins sticking out of the guy in Nightmare 3 but i think equally as, as shocking and gruesome as that is the nurse that stabs the man in the hospital bed with a syringe into the guy's eyeball. In that movie. Yeah, yeah you guys are speechless. Which one? What? It's <laughs> yeah. it's a movie it's a movie from nineteen eighty one called Dead and Buried. I oh. can't remember how the guy ended up in the hospital bed, but he's completely incapacitated. He's like all bandaged up and so this nurse comes in with this big old syringe and just jabs it right into the guy's eye. And it's not like a quick jab either, it's nice and slow. It's like all freaking Italian style eye piercings.
1: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Anytime you got, to me, that that's a, that's a thing with me. Like, you know, anything happening to the eyeballs or anything happening to the fingernails are the two most gruesome things for me. Chris? That's right.
2: I don't like eyeball things either.
0: That's why I like the Italian movies, man. Especially Lucio Fulci. He did a lot (laughs) of ocular torture in his movies. That's right.
2: Yeah.
0: You ever seen Zombie, Terry? No. The Italian zombie movie? No. Uh, Giant
5: splinter in a girl's eye.
0: It's yes.
5: Pierce the eyeball and everything. Uh, it's glorious. No. The best music ever happening in the background.
0: Mm-hmm. Come on. You need to see. Okay, Terry, that's what we're going to do next time we're hanging out. We're going to watch Zombie. You get You get to see a zombie fight a shark, Terry. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. One of the okay. greatest
0: scenes of all time. Did I sell you on the movie now? Zombie yeah. vs.
1: Shark? There you
0: go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So that's Stan Winston. Any other effects artists anybody want to talk about? Another guy I really liked. I mean, I could I could name drop special effects artists all night, guys. But um, Steve Johnson. I was always a fan of him. Uh, he did, like, Deny of the Demons movies. hmm so he's another one of those guys that even still today... I mean, I definitely know how the effect's done. But it's still so seamless when Linnea Quigley takes that lipstick and shoves it in her boob through her nipple. Ugh. Freaking awesome effect because, like... That's Linnea Quigley. it's She's sitting here. Those are her boobs. And that lipstick goes... In through her nipple. And it's not a gore... I mean, you have you seen the movie, Terry? Night of the Demons? You know what I'm talking about?
2: I actually haven't seen Night of the Demons.
0: Okay, no, that's good. Um, Because you will. (laughs) Um, But no, it's not a gore effect. It's not like, I'm jabbing this lipstick into my nipple and there's blood (coughs) blood everywhere. She just takes the lipstick. she's all demon by this point. She just takes this lipstick and it's a bizarre seeing, like why anybody would ever do this, even when you're a demon. And she just shoves it in her boob through her nipple as if her boob is eating it. So when she's done and she's got it shoved in there and she pulls her hand away, the boob is like still perfectly formed. Like there's no hole, there's nothing. It's just like the lipstick is gone. But you just watched her shove this lipstick into her boob. <laughs> and I know I'm dwelling on this a lot for, you know, obvious reasons. Yeah. But it's a really good special effect, right, Jason? <laughs> or John?
3: <laughs> tell it again, Mike, tell it again. Yes, I hear it again. it's uh, pretty amazing. <laughs> you
0: but got for it. real,
3: not just... No. It was cool.
0: It was a game changer, really. I thought, like...
3: It did take that movie to another level.
0: Yeah. Dustin, you know what we're talking about,
4: right?
5: Yeah, I'm... You know, I've seen it, and I can... To me, I could always tell what... You know, obviously... You know, one side of her is, like, prosthetic. And, you know, the other half of her is, like, real. But either way when she pushes in the lipstick, that's got to go somewhere. Like... (laughs) I mean, I don't know where it's going or how it forms back into a complete boob. Like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how it worked. It's baffling, yes. Oh, and Terry, you get to see uh, Linnea quickly, completely naked. So...
2: Have I already done that? uh, But
5: again... Wait, which movie? Which one's that one? <laughs> I was thinking
2: of uh, Return of the Living Dead, but I guess she's wearing, like, socks.
5: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> she's wearing leg warmers and <laughs> a and a Barbie doll
5: prosthetic over her crotch.
2: Well, right. Okay. I guess I don't really look for vaginas.
5: Well, you know, either do we, it's just there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's basic instinct and John is wanting <laughs> to know.
2: I actually I I, looked that up earlier. There was like some trivia on it and like there was a fight or something because she didn't realize that they were going to film her crotch. So I think it was her real crotch.
4: Well, thanks for clearing that up for me. I've always wanted to know that.
2: Yeah, there well,
0: you go. She, she can't be too <laughs> pissed. It was a crotch that gave her a career. So
2: Exactly.
0: Behind the screen and in front of the screen. So... Um, <laughs> so Night of Demons is awesome a lot of good effects in that I, I've always liked the demon desi- <coughs> the demon designs in it angels look and all the other demons um but then you go into part 2 and part 2 has got some crazy ass effects in it as well on an even lower budget than the first one the first one was pretty low budget so Steve Johnson did a lot of amazing work um on tight budgets as well. We already mentioned that he uh, that he worked on Elm Street 4. He was responsible for the souls coming out. Uh, but the oppressive effect for me in, in um, Night of the Demons 2, I think it's in the third act where Angela's in the, the basement, and she's kind of like this half-woman, half-snake creature. And it's just this awesome, huge, long snake plant coming off the back end of her, and it's like whipping around like a real snake and everything. And it's impressive because yes, that's not the actress's lower half of her body. They hid that somewhere, you know, probably the floor. Yes, I understand. But uh, but then again, the whole move, um, the whole um, mobility of that snake tail, and the fact that this thing is like. Like six feet long, and it's got to have some weight to it, and you're not seeing like wires hanging from this thing, but it's whipping around like a like a like a frantic snake tail, and it looks really good.
2: Cool.
0: And Jason, I think you will appreciate. I believe I didn't even bother looking up Steve Johnson when I was doing my research.
3: Stevie J. I should do that
0: now. But I, but I, believe he worked on, um, the abyss.
3: I can't. Uh, have you made a decision yet? On like where you stand with Steve Johnson? Because I know you you went through a rough patch. <laughs> I don't know if you've ended up coming to terms.
0: Well, they've divorced, so I'm okay.
3: Oh, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah. No, even, honestly, even during the time when they were married, um, I was cool with it, because I always thought they were a cool couple, and never thought in a million years I'd ever get to meet her in the first place anyway, so, I don't, and I also thought, like, too, that, uh, she ended up getting more work out of being married to Steve, because she would kind of, like, she would do a lot of his, be part of a lot of his effects, we already talked about how she, how she was the boobs popping out of the chest of Freddie, um, well, and we've talked about before with uh, um, Dead Heat, Steve Johnson did the uh, effects on Dead Heat, and there was a cut scene that um, was a dancing stripper corpse skeleton, uh, skeleton corpse dancing around, and what it was was Linnea Quigley in one of those like full black body suits with rods attached to parts of her body that were attached to the skeleton. So, when Linnea would dance around and do her dance, the skeleton would be dancing around too. So, kind of felt like them. Um, I always thought they were kind of a, a cool, cute couple and um, got more work for Linnea out of it as well. Um, I remember, like, Fangoria had this thing. It only lasted like two years, but I thought it was the coolest thing ever. They had on, on network television, mind you. They had their own horror awards show. Did anybody ever see those? They, were, they did it for two years. Like Fangoria, I think, presents... The best, I don't remember what it was called. But they had their own, like, like Academy Awards for horror movies mm. sponsored by Fangoria Magazine. And it was awesome, too, because they would do, like, Hall of Fames. So, like, I think the first year it was, de- it was dedicated to... One of them was dedicated to Jason. So, like, they had Kane Hodder come out in full Jason makeup to accept the award. Not breaking character. They would do, like, little little vignettes between the award ceremony. And one of them was Steve Johnson and Linnea Quigley. And Steve Johnson showing makeup, or, you know, special effects that you could do at home. You know, stuff like chewing gum and peanuts to make fake teeth. That kind of stuff. And and it was cool for me being a big fan of Linne- Linnea Quigley and seeing Linnea Quigley on network television.
4: Mm. Primetime mm. network television. Mm-hmm. Was that so. in the early 90s when those come out? Yes, How late 80s, early 90s. Because I saw one on, it was like late night one night, and they had a, had a replay of one of those, and they was giving it a, a light, like a, either a Scream Queen Award or a Lifetime Award to Marilyn Burns. And she was there. Oh, nice.
0: Okay, that, I think that may have been, like, the second year they did it, because I never did get to see the second year. I only saw the first one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, it was a really cool show, though. I thought it was awesome, and I was really bummed that they... I was, like, thought for sure this was going to be, like, the thing, that it was going to happen every year. It only lasted, like, two years. hmm I only had two of them. Bummer. Uh, I'm still looking up Steve Johnson here. Because there's only like like 500 Steve Johnsons when you type it in on Netflix. So I had to go and look up a movie title.
3: Kevin Yeager did cool stuff.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot about Kevin Yeager. Uh, Designed the Crypt Keeper. He worked on some of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Uh, Didn't he design Chucky?
1: Mm. (laughs) Let's
0: go with that. He designed Chucky.
2: Making shit up now.
3: Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Sounds like Mike.
2: Well, didn't he? He changed the Freddy
1: makeup after yeah. this
2: guy did. He changed it to the
3: like the look throughout. Kevin Yeager Mozart. did it in three. Yeah, and he did my my favorite uh, puppet effect, and but then you're what else did he do? He did. Your, your showstrom guy worked on 3 2.
2: Yeah. Uh, he did trick or treat. Not trick or treat, trick or treat.
3: Oh, fuck. Yeah!
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: look, no, look, it's a piece of
3: trash. <laughs> Oh, man.
1: Trick or treat. <laughs> <laughs> baby! baby. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He must have really been into doing like burn makeups or something, because yes, he redesigned Freddie. He um, he did Robert England's makeup for Phantom of the Opera, the '89 version of Phantom of the Opera, which is the total horror '80s version of Phantom of the Opera. Man, if you've never seen that version, you need to see it. It's so awesome because it's so '80s, because it's a gore fest. They turned you know which which now is turned into this like you know this beautiful broadway blah, blah blah stuff you know um and it's not a musical you know it's like one of the rare family operas it's not a musical and it's just a straight up gore flick like he's just hacking and slashing people movie's great but then he also did 976 evil so it's just a lot of like burn makeups you know trick or treat he did the did that monster in Trick or Treat that you see for one frame in the movie.
2: <laughs> and then he did 13 going on 30. <laughs>
1: yes!
3: <laughs> Joe's not here to give me shit about it.
1: Yeah.
0: But I'm pretty sure um, John's a big fan of Kevin Yanger because he did
4: Children of the Corn 3. Cool! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the third one was okay. Yeah, it's not my favorite one, you know, next to the original. Probably, I've always said that I like the sixth one, just because it has, it references a lot of the same characters and has John Franklin returning. But, three three was alright, I mean.
0: And Jason loves Kevin Yeager because he did the... Um makeup, and adaptation. Mm Mm-hmm. True. And and Dustin loves Kevin Yeager because he did the special makeup effects for um, Master Disguise.
5: What? (laughs) I've never even seen that
4: movie.
0: Yes, you have. It's the one with, um, what's his name in it? I know Uh,
4: exactly what you're talking about, but I've never seen it. (laughs) i just seen that turtle, turtle. It's like the
5: only thing I've seen. <laughs>
0: Which was probably like Kevin Yeager's big work that he did in that movie. And he's probably working on this Turtle Man outfit thinking, what the fuck am I doing? Where is my career gone?
2: I see that he did like a ton of work on Bones. I don't know if anyone else has watched that show, but there's some really gory shit on it. So that's awesome.
0: Uh, he also did special makeup effects on Face Off, so I thought he did a good, amazing job making um, Nicholas Cage look like John Travolta and John Travolta look like Nicolas Cage.
1: Oh, he's beautiful. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. And, <laughs> and he also did Hellraiser Bloodline, which he also directed and had his name removed from. Yeah, if you look up... Uh, well, I don't know if you, if you look it up and it'll say it, but... Uh,
3: Smart move.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Bloodline is... I like Bloodline. You would. I do. I like a better in 3. Mm. <laughs> okay, it actually does show Kevin Yeager is one of the directors for Bloodline. But he had his name removed, and when people have their name removed from movies, they use the fake name, uh, Alan Smithy. Uh-huh. So, I think in the movie, anyway, director's credit is Alan Smithy and not Kevin Yeager, so, there you go. So that's Kevin Yeager.
1: Woo! Yeah. What
0: other effects, what other effects artists are there in the world? I think we covered them all.
3: One of my favorites is Stephen Tracy from the film Demonica. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: There's a particular scene in the bathroom. Well, I'll just wait and let you guys see it.
1: <laughs>
3: yes, you need to see it. <laughs> Appreciate it. No spoilers.
0: <laughs> all right. <laughs> Well, do we get into Savini?
3: Uh. Um. Who? <laughs> oh my god.
0: So, everybody got to say who their favorite effects artist was, right?
3: Right. Except yeah. you.
0: So, except for me. So, who could possibly be my favorite effects artist?
2: No clue.
0: That's right! Tom Savini. <laughs> I don't know. We're going on. We're going on a while now with this episode. We may need to start wrapping it up. And I could go on with Savini for hours. And actually, Savini, where at most other effects artists maybe have like a page of notes or a half a page of notes, Savini has two pages of notes. Oh boy. So, I covered everything with Savini to the point where I'm like, I kind of think maybe
5: we should just have a whole Savini episode. <laughs>
2: It'll just be you talking
5: Well um, it necessarily wouldn't have to be about his Makeup if we did a whole episode We could do well, you know that's true. I mean he's he does in movies a lot of acting. Yeah. Children of the living dead I mean come on Oh my god have you seen I, that I love it For reals I love to make fun of it oh, Okay. <laughs> oh, <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me that's going to be That's going to be an everything horrible episode someday. I think I enjoy it <laughs> oh. oh Okay <laughs> I think I kind of do. I'll rewatch I ever...
0: it. <laughs> I sold that one. That's a movie I I lost to Insane
5: asylum. I sold that one off. And he's only in that for like the first. Oh yeah. Scenes, so, but oh yeah. E- either way, we could. Yeah, I think we could have a whole entire Savini episode for sure. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, we'll save Savini for that then. Let's make a let's make a blood oath right now. Everybody, uh, <laughs> break their fingers.
5: Hold him up to your... Ah, I've already cut down my hand. Oops. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) So, we will do a whole Savini episode. Because, yeah, I could... I mean, just on the effects side alone, I could talk for for days. And then if we're going to throw acting and even directing into the mix, Mm -hmm. um, look out. Because I've got a lot of great things to say about Savini. And not so great things to say about Savini as an actor. And the choice of projects that he's chosen over the years.
3: We could like ask a- him to be on the show. I mean, Terry would have to ask him.
0: <laughs>
3: Let's do it. Let's yeah. see if he'll do it.
0: Why would Terry have
3: to ask him? I'll save it for the show.
2: Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just call him up. I got I got his personal number. Right here.
0: Hey, I've met the guy. A couple times.
2: <laughs> well, aren't you cool? Good story.
1: Good story. <laughs> 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 yeah that's good that's good,
0: real good. I've told <laughs> <it> before. <laughs> so okay well real quick um, without uh, throwing anybody's film under the bus you remember how I got on my soapbox over the weekend about s- supporting um, which soapbox independent independent filmmakers that set up a table at a horror convention and buying their movies and I did that and uh-huh. you know spent 20 bucks on a movie and a t-shirt uh huh I mean, their their cover is pretty cool, and their oh. T-shirts look really good. If They would have put in that kind of effort and production value into the actual freaking oh. movie. Oh what my did god! Why?
1: What
5: was it? Should you I say that? on the
0: air? I don't feel like I should say that, and I don't remember the name of it. Oh no! It's well, I guess I'll do it. I don't care. It's called Cool as Hell.
5: Oh yeah, they were aggressive. Very aggressive. I wish they were
0: as, gref- as aggressive about making their movie as there was about promoting their movie, because...
5: It had a bunch oh. of people in it.
0: Holy shit. Well, Savini's one of them, and it is... Okay, of the people <laughs> that have been in this movie, Jason, uh-huh. I have one word for you as far as the cameo appearances in this movie. I already
3: know, but... getting.
0: Yep. yes. <laughs> it is so, like... We didn't hire these people. We ran in these people and and just filmed them real quick and spliced it into our movie. Because the Savini thing is like is like ten fifteen seconds tops. Savini's addressing directly to the camera. There's nobody else in the shot, and it doesn't even make any damn sense.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> He's what's,
5: in it.
0: And what's effed up is there are there a cover for it, which is which is a really cool. You know, I like I like that the design of their stuff. Whoever their artist is, is pretty cool. Kind of a comic book look-y, comic book look to their art and everything. But the Savini character is on the freaking cover of the box, and it's so yeah, whatever. So it's, aggressive. It's so bad, dude. And like, oh my god, I should have turned it off as soon as I started it. I suffered through the whole thing, but first off, like the it's cropped horribly
1: mm.
0: like it's shot for widescreen but it's not letterbox so everything everything in the entire movie's crop i'm you're missing stuff off to the side like the opening title credit sequence they use a font that that's large enough that it's from completely one side of the frame to the other side of the frame so you're missing like half of the lettering of the of all the of all the credits. Then you'll have like shots of characters that hang all the way to the right or hang all the way to the left, so they're like not even in frame when you're watching it on normal television.
3: Are you sure you just didn't mess up your
0: I'm pretty sure. I'll bring I'll bring it down to you right now. Man,
3: man. I can't wait to tell those guys that we talked about their new movie on this episode.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, now I'm starting to feel guilty again. Maybe you should cut all that out. You won't. Hell no.
3: <laughs> Finally, some drama.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, I I, yeah, I think just overall, I'm just really disappointed because the premise of the movie was cool. Um, it it had you some love really films. You, I mean, like I do, and I really wanted to support these guys big time. I still want to see their other films, see if it. <laughs> it's any oh, not I can' win any better, but it, it's like I said, the premise is cool. It looks like there could have been some very funny moments in the film, but the acting is pretty bad.
3: But Zombie Again's better,
0: dude. No, there's nothing. <laughs> no, it's it's still better than Zombie Again. Still better than Zombie Again. Okay. Um. So I'll give it that. But it's, it's Chris Siever quality stuff, man.
3: Oh, it really dang it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's just like... You go to their table, man, and it's like... This looks pretty kick-ass. So they do... They know how to promote. They know how to make things look pretty in a box.
3: They know how to make strangers buy their shit.
0: Yeah. But... If they if they had half of the quality in the product that they do and everything else, it would have been solid.
3: Whatever. But you hated it. All right, next movie. A lot of boobs in it, though. I'll
0: okay. That. Okay. So anyway. So since we're gonna save Savini for another day, uh, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we'll get into some segments. <laughs>
4: Good evening it's intermission time our service is friendly and quick you'll find hot dogs hamburgers pizza your favorite candies hot and cold beverages and other delicious snacks so add to your fun of watching the movie visit our refreshment stand right now we're glad to have you with us tonight we hope you'll come to see us often it's great to get out to the movies
0: Do you find your life lacking meaning and purpose? Do you get up every morning and say, there's gotta be a better way? Are you a horror film fan and don't understand why your friends and family hasn't seen Necromantic? Do you know people who say that they love Jason from the Nightmare on Elm Street movies? Are you bored with your current podcast? Do you find yourself answering these questions out loud and getting weird looks from other people in your office? Well, now you never have to worry about those nasty stains again. Now you have a meaning to your boring, miserable life because now you can listen to... Attack of the Killer Podcast. That's right, Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack of the Killer Podcast has all the vitamins and minerals for a well-balanced breakfast. On Attack of the Killer Podcast, you can marvel at the crew as they discuss various horror films, such as High Tension and... high high, high tension. Listen with your ear holes as the attackers pick a topic and then derail from that topic for at least an hour every episode. Be extremely disturbed as you learn the true love Insane Mike has for his Jason Goes to Hell DVD. But wait, there's more. The gang at Attack of the Killer podcast give you their guarantee that every episode will contain at least two hours of in-depth horror discussion or at least until they get bored, which usually happens after about the first 30 minutes. Listen to what this satisfied customer has to say about Attack of the Killer podcast. Who the hell are you?
3: What are you doing in my bathroom?
0: So don't wait. Follow the rest of the mindless sheep and listen to Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack of the Killer Podcast can be heard at attackofthekillerpodcast.com or at stitcher.com. You can also follow Attack of the Killer Podcast on Facebook at flavors, Attack of the Killer Podcast or on Twitter at AOTKP. So act now. Offers limited. Operators are standing by. Blah, 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 blah. Welcome back.
3: Segment!
0: It's segment's time on Attack of the Killer podcast. Let's start with some shout-outs.
3: It's time for... Shout-outs! Shout-outs!
1: Shout-outs! Shout-outs! shout OUT! Shout shout
3: shout shout Alright, you got it. So, we asked, Who is your favorite special effects makeup artist? And on Facebook, we had a few responses. We had Casey Bates. He says, I'll go with the generic answer and go with Savini. Savini is generic. That's what he said. Maybe not. Okay.
1: All right. I, I, also-
0: I, I want to say this, though, especially before we get into the Savini episode, that, and I'll probably say the same disclaimer then. I, I love Savini. I love the movies that he did. I love his work. I'm never going to defend him or defend the man, really. Like, you can't take away from the work he did back in the day. Some of it looks extremely dated, like the crayon-looking blood and Dawn of the Dead, that kind of stuff. But he was doing stuff that people were not doing at all yet. He invented a lot of techniques that weren't done before. And, and he was the first effects artist that really caught my eye and that I fell in love with and truly discovered that there's an
3: art to special effects. But that's all I have to say. Cool. Lindsey Alston says, Oh my God, best question to answer ever. <laughs> she said there's so many... I hope she doesn't talk like that. I'm sorry, Lindsey. Uh, there's so many talented artists to choose from, but it's got to be... Dick Smith's work on Exorcist, Greg Woo! Greg Canum's Lost Boys, mm-hmm. okay. Lost yeah, Boys Love, mm-hmm. yeah. and Christian Tinsley's Effect Studios' work for the TV show American Horror Story, for me.
0: Uh, oh, interesting. I ah. have hey, yet to watch a single episode. Of Same the here. Yeah,
3: yeah me, too.
1: <laughs>
3: me too. Anyone else? Just Terry? I've seen the
5: first two seasons. And? it's this good? That's oh, nice. she didn't like it. Uh, I always hear, that's why people here are like, eh,
2: it's so okay. good. I, I liked the first season, and I wasn't as big of a fan of the second season, but I hear season three is freaking awesome, so I need to watch that. And maybe it'll redeem it a bit.
3: Or every time I hear someone who's like, oh, it's the coolest show ever, I usually don't ever trust their opinions, so I'm like, like, well, I don't know. It's
2: weird because it's <laughs> more like, it's classified as a miniseries because each season is its own different plot. Yeah.
0: Which that I appreciate, sounds yeah. Yeah. Isn't this current season going to do with a carnival or something?
2: Yeah, the next one's going to be some sort of carnival-like thing.
3: Which... You love carnivals, and more yeah, specifically Funnel Cake, Mike, so... I think you're going <laughs> to love this season. As
0: long as there is a full episode dedicated to funnel cakes, then yeah, sure.
2: Hopefully they kill someone with a funnel cake and ruin them for you. Ew.
3: Dude,
0: once, you, once you've once you had a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup funnel cake, uh, there's uh, going to be nothing that could... Yum. What do you mean, oh,
3: <sighs> Yummy.
2: awful.
0: S- sounds delicious. Yeah. It sounds like I wish I had one in my tummy right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. or the Why? red or the red velvet cake funnel cakes. Mm. Saw that.
2: That sounds like too much. Like just regular funnel cake is delicious. Why do you need extra shit? I don't get
0: it. Mike? Every cuz everything is better with chocolate <laughs> and peanut butter terry. Ugh.
3: Oh. Sh- no. Terry? No.
0: Yes. No. Mm. You could put you could put that shit on sushi and it would be good.
3: Mm. Ugh. what the f- Anyway, enough about <laughs> food. <laughs> Next we have Derek Johns, and he says K and B, Tom Savini, Headshot and Maniac. Mm-hmm. So, ooh, Jason in Part Seven. That was Howard John- Berger, right?
0: No, uh, Jason in Part Seven. That was um,
3: well, um, I know Berger well- did the face, right? The Nerf. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Part eight, Winterface. Part seven was one of the best oh, yeah. Jason makeups ever, but I think that was because John Buechler directed it. So I may mm-hmm. be wrong, but I was always oh, under the assumption it was Beakler.
3: Yeah, my bad. It bet. was
0: Buechler's studio that did the makeup on yep, it. Too. you're
3: right. Wrong handlebars. I was thinking. <laughs>
0: Good point. Yeah.
3: And he also said the thing, and then he wasn't done, and he had another comment that says, <laughs> "I love the effects in the Prowler as well." Yep, go really back, again. Go back to practical because the Prowler is 1980 and it looks amazing. So true. Yep. And that's all we have on Facebook. Uh, there wasn't anything on Twitter, but we had some people call in, so here is their call. Woo! All right, well, thanks for calling in, guys, and anyone can call in anytime. Uh, You can call 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. Leave your comments. Let us know what's up. That is shout-outs. Thank you.
0: Excellent. Good job, Jason. As always, shout-outs. And now let's go over (laughs) to... Let's go over to... I'm dying to find out. I'm just trying to remember the name of the segment. Um... Of John's new segment. Looking back at my early days in horror thing. Nope, <laughs> nope,
3: close. Not wait, that wasn't close at all. <coughs>
1: was
3: that? That was not. Um Memory
1: Memory nope. Lane?
3: Nope. Um close, closer. Sir.
0: Dismembered Lane. Oh
3: no. whose show
1: is this? What's
3: going on? <laughs> what is this?
0: Oh And here's John is-
3: Sullivan with Memory Vane.
1: Memory,
4: thank you, everybody. (coughs) Movies have always been a big part of my life, whether I saw it in a theater. Four years later on home video, certain films have always seemed to grab a hold of me and never let go. But almost as powerful as the films themselves were what made me want to see them in the first place. When I was a kid, every night, my parents would read the evening paper, then discard it to the side with other publications they were reading at the time. As soon as they did, I would pick it up from the pile and immediately turn to the inside of page one. There, in all their printed glory, were the theater ads. Having three different theaters in our small town back then, one, an older balcony-style theater, the next, a drive-in, and finally, a twin cinema, I couldn't wait to see which theaters were playing the new blockbusters that Hollywood was churning out. But it wasn't all about the actual movies that were playing that excited me. It was the ads themselves. With images taken many times from the one-sheet movie posters, the ads were, in my opinion, pieces of art. Many... In our local newspaper were either one to two column width, but could, could and usually displayed at a bigger size in major city papers that had entertainment sections. They could be small enough to just include the title artwork, or big enough to even include taglines or casting credits. Every week, especially near the opening weekends when the new films were being advertised, I would sift through the papers to see which ones caught my eye. Usually, our drive-in and older theater had the bigger ads and I can vividly remember one ad in particular. It was around Halloween time, and it was just before I started my fondness and obsession for horror movies. Sometimes the older Balcony Theater would have a Halloween midnight showing of a horror film to coincide with the upcoming holiday. Looking at the ad, I was familiar with the name enough to know that it had been a popular horror film, although it had been a while since it had originally been released, and I, of course, had never seen it but it was my official introduction to a movie that I will never forget. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre I wish I had been a little, a little bit older to have attended that screening and been able to view an original film print, but I did take advantage years later of the midnight Halloween showings at the Twin Cinema reformatted to feature three films when the older one was sadly shut down. But it wasn't the same. Those midnight screenings I took part in were of new films, not the older classics. And unfortunately, I failed to clip out the Chainsaw Movie ad before it was lost forever. Many ads came and went over the years, and I unfortunately failed to save a single one. Why? Did I not realize how much they really meant to me at the time? No, I think it was that I felt they would always be there. Man, I love flipping through each paper to view the newest advertisement and piece of movie memorabilia, and that's just what it was a historic piece of cinematic memorabilia, even though it was seen to most as just another theater ad in a daily newspaper. But to me, it was, and always will be, more than that. During the 70s and 80s, motion picture promotion not only stopped with publication ads, but ran full force with many other marketing techniques and ideas, such as television spots, radio ads, movie posters, lobby cards, and theatrical trailers, which I will discuss in future segments. But as many of my favorite movie ads are etched into my brain, what are the ones you remember? Did you think to save any? Let me know your thoughts, and be sure to join us next time as we take another walk down memory vein. Cool.
3: That's awesome.
4: (laughs) And another thing, if anybody out there comes across a Children of the Corn ad from a newspaper from back in 1984... Uh, contact me, please. Oh, oh,
3: awesome! That sounds cool. You know what else sounds cool? Hearing about video games. Oh yeah! yeah. Maybe we should ask Dustin about his segment: Gore games. <laughs>
5: Okay. Um, <clears throat> I know that uh, I've been uh, lately been giving kind of a game to everybody, the podcasters, and Terry, you were next, but I, I, I feel I have to put it on hold uh, because there's something else that I need to talk about before it gets Ooh. too far away from us. Or And I know this isn't going to be aired right away, but um, <clears throat> right now, horror games are are getting fucking insane the (laughs) new games that are coming out are goddamn ridiculous um there's been some big news recently um and you may have already heard about it but there was a demo released on the ps4 called pt now if you've heard of this you already know what i'm talking about you already know where this is going but if you don't I'm going to fucking ruin it for you. Uh, PT was a a demo that they released that was kind of a puzzler, uh, scary as hell. I watched the playthrough because I don't have a PlayStation 4 yet. Um, It's kind of like a puzzler horror game that looks, oh, my God. It's like you're playing real life. And I know I've said that in, in the past to myself with, you know, way back in the day, like, you know, the Nintendo 64 days. But uh, with this it, it, PS4, it, it's definitely taken another level. You're playing this game, and I'm not even... I'm watching it, you know, because, like I said, I couldn't play it. I'm watching it, and I am scared as hell uh, watching somebody else play this game. Uh, again, it's called PT, but as you play through it, the person starts to figure it out. You see some scary imagery. Um uh, you get to the end of this demo, and it can be kind of confusing. Uh, the end of the demo, uh, the last thing this character does is walk through a door. <clears throat> as soon as he walks through that door, it starts to play a video. And we see a town, and we see a back of the, your character. You don't see your character's face at all through the entire demo. And he's walking, and he's walking down the middle of the street. And he turns around, and it's Norman Reedus. That is Daryl from The Walking Dead. And then right above his name, it says Silent Hill. And then it puts an S on it and it says Silent Hills, which is the newest game that's coming out, the newest Silent Hill game that's coming out for the PS4 and probably some other platforms as well. But to me, that is fucking amazing. Not only is Norman Reedus attached to this, but Del Toro is attached to this as well. Uh, making it with the same creator who makes all the Metal Gear Solid games. Now, th- if you're a gamer, this is kind of like the equivalent of like, you know, Tom Savini coming together with, uh, you know, Robert England and then, you know, having James Cameron direct a movie. You know, it's just
1: like,
5: <laughs> to me, that's what this is. And <clears throat> it's also taking another approach because. PT, obviously, you know what does that have to do with Silent Hill? A playable teaser. This, to me, is the future of of gaming. A playable teaser. This, this, what you played on this demo, will have nothing to do with Silent Hills, uh, other than it'll probably keep the same graphical style, the same controls, and maybe the same, uh, you know, uh, first-person view. Maybe not. Who knows? We don't know those details yet. But just the fact that this is like you're almost playing a trailer and it's a horror game is just freaking awesome. I mean, this, it, it, if this takes off and more people do this, this is only going to get better for horror and gaming. Um, and Silent Hills is just the start of it. Uh, the games that are coming out in the next two years are flipping crazy. Um, we've got Alien Isolation, That's coming out as well, which, you know, if you haven't seen anything on that, that's going to have, you know, like Sigourney Weaver's daughter uh, with one alien, just like the first alien, and you're being stalked by this alien. I mean, there's so much coming out in the next year that it's such a good thing for horror in general. I know you guys don't play a lot of these games, but if there was ever a time to start or just to start checking them out, Now's the time because there has never been really this many, this many good horror games that are coming out. Now I know they haven't been released yet, but I mean just just the buzz and you know all the hype that's behind it now, and, and the way that you know, like I said, people are coming together. Like I, I mean, come on, we're, we're going to see Norman Reedus in a video game with Del Toro like directing it with you know another big huge you know name attached to it. I mean, we wouldn't see that four years ago. I'm sorry, I'm just, like, really excited. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, I mean, like I said, uh, this genre is so taking off in in video games, and it can't be ignored um, if you're just a movie watcher. You have to check these out. Even if you don't play them, go to YouTube Watch demos, watch um, you know, watch playthroughs because they're like I said, they're they're like watching a movie now. Um, mm-hmm. It's they've gotten so good with their graphics that it's it, they're they're off the charts. Um, so not really a game with this Gore games. Uh, I just felt like I had to talk about all you know. There's more games I could I could name off uh, probably a dozen more games that are coming out in the next year or so. Um, but you should definitely, oh, man, <laughs> sorry, my cat's going crazy. Um, you definitely have to check these out. Um, uh, definitely check out PT. If you've got a PS4, um, I'm sorry if I just ruined it for you and everyone's probably seen it. Uh, have you guys seen anything about yeah, that?
2: Yeah, I had I heard about it.
5: I mean, it's, it, the, the, the cat's already out of the bag, yeah. but, um, if, if, you know, if you wanna check it out and play it through, it's still scary either way. And it's really cool to watch that in video with Norman Reed is turning around and I mean it just it looks like him. It's it's a you know it's a a cartoon version of him, but man, they they nailed him. So, you know, check out at least if you have a PS4, I'll just say this, check out PT, um, the demo and, you know, check out all the great horror games that are coming out in the next year or so. And that's Gore Games.
1: Woo
4: Yes.
0: Awesome. Four games. Thank you, Dustin. So, it's uh, now time for Wicked Words with Weartare.
1: tear oh, Ow! 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 ow. <laughs>
2: This time I will be discussing John dies at the end. Yes, yeah! <laughs> I know. I know. I had promised that to you a while back, there, Mike. But um, and it kind of lines up because there's some sweet creature effects, right? It works. Um, anyway, <laughs> the book was written by David Wong, which is actually a pen name, um, for this guy named Jason Pargan. Who turns out he um, is the executive editor for Crack.com. Um, and it started out as this like serial thing. Like he was just writing and his co workers loved it. And they were like compiling all these stories and printing out their own copies until eventually one day he decided he was going to go ahead and publish it as a, as a novel. And let me just say before I get into this comparison that. This book is the funniest fucking book I have ever read in my life. It is <laughs> mm-hmm. so good. I've never laughed out loud so much while reading a book. It's it's amazing. And that being said, I love Don Coscarelli. And the movie by itself, standalone, is, is fun. But in comparison to the book, it is a steaming pile of crap. I'll be perfect.
1: Whoa.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> And I wouldn't normally say that about, Oh, Oh my God. It's, it's so bad. There, there are parts of it that they really like nail on the head. Like for example, the beginning, like the whole thing with the ax and him going like that entire little sequence right at the beginning was perfect. Like, as after I after I had read the book and went back to rewatch the movie, I was like, "Oh my god, this is like this is exactly right. This is exactly what they need to be doing," and then it just completely veers off into left field. And I know that they have to cut out a lot. I mean, there are a lot of really awesome stories within the book because um, it's kind of broken up into three acts. Um, And the movie mostly just covers stuff that happens in the first act and then part of what happens in the third act, just to wrap everything up. So there's so many sweet, like, supernatural stories and stuff in the middle. Like, they're almost like these, like, perverted ghostbusters in a way. And it's so hilarious. Um, and, And the book is by far more crude and perverted than the movie is. Um... But, uh, the movie, okay, the movie does a lot of stuff differently. Um, You have, I mean, the main string of the movie runs with this interview, which is a running theme in the book, too. You know, he's sitting there with Paul Giamatti slash Arnie is the character's name, and he's explaining all of this to him. Uh, But really, it just takes a bunch of, like, the main action parts um, and throws them in. Uh, One of the main things that you don't get is David Wong, the character, not the writer, because if you didn't catch it, they're the same name. Um, (laughs) He is kind of made out to be like this dorky hero in the movie, but in the book, he's just... And he's kind of a dick, to be perfectly honest. He's just an awful person who happens to have, like, the weirdest luck and has all this shit happen to him. It's, it's more of just a circumstance that happens. It isn't him going out trying to save all of his friends. Um, so that was a huge tone difference in the movie, for sure. Uh, and then there's also, like, oh, the chick in the movie amy or right yeah amy it's confusing because in in the movie um there's just the one girl with the one hand you know who i'm talking about yeah Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. in the book there that character is actually two different characters so it's really confusing um because In the beginning of this story, there's this girl, and her name is Jennifer Lopez. And there are a lot of jokes about her name being Jennifer Lopez, and it's hilarious. But she has both hands, and she's just kind of a dumbass, and I hated her anyway. But they kind of merged that character with the character of Amy, who comes in later in the book, who has one hand. um, And she is, like, one of my favorite characters in the entire fucking book, and all that you get from her is that she has one hand and she opens the ghost store in the movie. That's, that's all you get from that character and it pisses me off to no end. But, um, then, um, what else? Well, something good. I will say, um, the character of John is actually pretty well done. Um, actor who played him was someone Rob Mays Mayes? Mays I'm gonna go with that um, really really spot on performance like he's an idiot but he's a good idiot like he's you can tell that he's a nice person and that's what he's kind of the the silver lining to the whole thing in the book like he's the yin and yang to, or he's the the wing to David's Wong. I don't know. <laughs> um, but that was played really well by that actor for sure. And I'm sure that some of that had to do with direction as well. And the way that um, Coscarelli wanted to take it, but he was good. Not to say that I don't enjoy Chase Williamson as David Wong. Cause I mean, the performance in itself is, hilarious and I think he's awesome um but not so much with the book um oh another big thing the dog the dog's name is Barkley in the movie and in the book the dog's name is Molly so I don't know why why that got changed mm-hmm. that's just a weird <laughs> I don't know if they couldn't get the name rights. I don't know why that would be. I mean, they had the rights to everything else. It was just a choice and a dumb one. Um, <laughs> but really, I mean, most of what they take out of it is... Like, the, the overall narration, like, the book is heavily, heavily narrated by David Wong. Like, it's just him, like, telling all of these weird inner thoughts, and they're just crazy and hilarious. And you get a, a lot of the movie is just that stuff. Which is, you know, it's fun and all, but you miss out on a lot of the awesomeness. Um, um, well, and then the last thing I'll really, I'll point at is the end If you haven't seen the movie, I'm sorry. Spoilers. Um, In the end, you know, you have the whole thing with Korok and blah, 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 blah. Um, And then the dog saves them. And then you go back to the diner and you find out that Ernie's a ghost the whole time and whatever. The book has a completely different ending. Um... Basically, well, you know the whole reoccurring thing with Korok, which they don't really get into a lot in the the movie. There's a lot of weird shit in the book, and it gets really freaky. But Korok, there's he's like sending in imposters. Like these people are taking over, creatures are taking over other people's bodies. You know, invasion of the body snatchers and shit. Um. Well, in the book, it's revealed that um, the Dave that we've been with for a huge part of the fucking book has is actually the monster duplicate Dave, and not the real Dave, because the real Dave is dead in his shed. Hmm. It's really... And it's so perfect. And I was so mad like after I read that, I'm like this didn't happen in the movie cuz I I'd, I'd seen the movie first and I went through and oh see you got if <laughs> re, read this book seriously even if I know you're not all big readers but seriously it is so
3: How many pages? funny <laughs>
2: it's like 400 and some it's a little longer but even if it takes you like years I don't even care once you pick it up and start reading it's so funny you're not going to be able to stop it it's good but definitely hands down if I had to choose book is so much better sorry Don Coscarelli
0: <laughs> wow, wow. kind of stings a little
1: hmm
2: sorry
0: <laughs> next you want to read the sequel there's a sequel
2: I know yeah. this book is full of spiders yeah it looks it looks fun I need to read it yeah
3: sweet hmm it's just gonna sit weird with me the rest of the night now <laughs> <laughs> the movie was so great
2: oh but the book is so much better <laughs> I, I you like even I
3: said, hear yourself I, now
2: I I like the movie. I like the movie by itself, but in comparison, the book is just amazing.
3: So, do I ruin the movie by watching by reading the book? Hmm. Mhm. <laughs>
2: I mean, like I still enjoy the movie if I don't think about the book.
3: Oh, right. <laughs> it sounded like you could do that.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. It, it It's just it's, the funniest book I've ever read. And you should read it too.
3: Okay. The end. The end. <laughs> nice. Nice job. Thanks. Well, that only leaves one more, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> there is
0: just one more.
3: Right?
2: Who the fuck's that? It's
3: yeah. time for Insane's Picks. <laughs>
0: Yeah! Insane's Picks time. So I've been trying now, after finally like two years of this show, going through and cataloging all of my Insane's Picks because I'm forgetting hardcore which ones I've done as, in, as I've been trying to go through my Something Weird collection. I don't remember which ones I've talked about. So I've almost completely cataloged all of, all of my Insane's Picks. I still have a few more to go. So I'm hoping this isn't one of them I've talked about already. Mm. But uh, this is probably one of the weirdest, weirdest DVDs out of my entire Something Weird collection. Um, it has so much bonus supplemental material on this DVD that it outplays the movie that is on this disc like, what, two hours worth of content longer than the movie. Hmm. We're talking a full 214 minutes of total running time of this of this disc. And the movie and the DVD that I'm talking about this time is the 1965 film, Monster Crashes the Pajama Party. Yes. I love this disc. Fuck the movie, but the disc itself <laughs> is amazing. Did I not say 214 minutes of material on this disc? The movie is 31 minutes long.
1: <laughs> so the rest <laughs> nice. of it, the rest
0: of it is bonus material. This is what they what they've tried to do is they try to take like a crappy little 30 minute movie and make a full DVD release out of it and basically turning it into like a three hour um, DVD of just like Something that you could play at parties, because uh, they they really gone with a whole Halloween theme with this disc and all the bonus material. Um, I'll break, I'll break down the DVD here for you in just a second, but let's first talk about the movie itself, Monster Crash is the p- Monster Crash Pajama Party. <clears throat> uh, first of all, the openings the movie opens well basic the basic premise of the movie is a group of teenagers spend the night in an old dark mansion. Um, as as a college sorority initiation, and the girls get kidnapped one by one by a mad scientist and his uh, collection of monsters to turn the girls into gorillas. Mm -hmm. And so the movie starts with a two or three minute introduction to the movie by the mad scientist character himself as a warning before the movie starts. Then, the movie uh, after that happens, then, you know, most movies, after a little prologue or, uh, um, yeah, a little introduction like that, they would go into maybe like the opening credits of the movie. This movie has the most unique credit sequence in cinema history. Because, first of all, there's no closing credits, there's no real opening credits. It's a shot of a man in a gorilla suit. Doing, mimicking different things, as a man with a really bad Boris Karloff impersonation does a voiceover, voiceovering or telling you who made the movie, who the actors were, who who, who they played in the movie, who the director was, who the editor was. This portion, bearing in mind, again, this movie's a half an hour long. This. Unique style of opening credit sequence, and the fact that you have this gorilla mimicking things like running a camera or recording sound or editing to mimic what they're talking about for the credits. It's a good 5 10 minutes of this gorilla doing this shit. Okay, so now we got the opening, we got the stuff with the gorilla. Um, now we're talking about probably about 15 minutes of a 30 minute movie. Um, already blown by, but the credits, the voiceover says, instead of it being like edited by so and so, it'll say the film was cut the way the film was cut up and stuck back together by so and so. So, they were trying to be clever there. The movie is directed by David L. Hewitt, um, who did uh, a few films. and only had like about seven film in his films in his directing filmography. Oh, stuff like *Wizard*, Wizard of Mars Gallery of Horror and probably his most famous the Mighty Gorga um, but he had way more of a background in visual effects he, he had a career lasting decades in the visual effects department even on some true legitimate Hollywood productions so uh, so that's Master's Crash of the Jam party the unique thing about the movie itself, is that the, the, the movie ends, you know, the, uh, the, their fraternity brothers show up, save the girls before they get turned into gorillas, fight the monsters, and they flee, and then the mad scientist and his monsters, uh, the mad scientist urges his monsters to go out into the theater crowd to gain more female victims, at which point the screen turns to like a thunderstorm scenario, and all you hear is thunderstorms and screams for a good couple minutes. As when this movie would play in theaters back in the '60s, what would happen at that point is that they would have people dressed in gorilla suits go out into the crowd and grab women out of the crowd and pull them up on, pull them, pull them up behind behind the stage. Nice. So totally interactive film. That's probably and, and obviously the movie is so gimmick as that because. These monsters again. It's just a man in a gorilla suit. There's one guy that's kind of a ghoul, but it's just a guy in a mask. There's another one that's a werewolf. It's obviously just a guy in a mask. Um, so there's no real production value to this movie whatsoever. So the whole gimmick was the whole interacting experience with the with the crowd. So keeping in with that theme, that's some of the some of the stuff that you kind of get with the supplemental material. First of all. Every time you pop in a Something Weird DVD, it'll start with their logo, where it shows clips of their movies, it has this little song that plays, and then ends with the Something Weird logo. It's kind of their little tag thing, what have you. This one doesn't do that. You pop it in, the first thing you get right off the bat is a special introduction in Hypnoscope, where it's just this swirling thing, and it's got this crazy voiceover about this night of terror that you're about to experience. Blah, 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 blah. So, really, really cool. There's a couple of um, audio commentaries for the movie uh, that really don't have anything to do with the movie, but they are audio commentaries by a couple of um, of guys who were well-known for putting on spook shows. One guy by the name of Philip Dr. Evil Morris and another guy by the name of Harry Dr. Jekyll Wise. So, there's a lot of that... Those themes going on in this DVD. There's like a there's like um, an instruction manual that you can scroll through to learn how to put on your own spook house. There is uh, something called the Asylum of the as- Insane, which is a startling short subject with monsters in 3D spookorama, and it even comes with a couple sets of 3D glasses in the uh, DVD as well. There's also a booklet. In the in this DVD that also teaches you how to put on your own spook show um, there's also a crap ton of, of trailers what else is it, this disc got on it it's um, uh, there's a couple of uh, spooky musical um, numbers like dating back to like the, the 40s and so on um, there's horror home productions from the 20s 40s and 60s. Witness London after midnight, the mummy, Mr. Hyde, and more. Uh, Groovy, gooly musical uh, accompaniment by Chiller Theater House Band, the the Dead Evils. Uh, Let's see. There's a there's a video on. There's a little um, movie on here that takes you on a ride through an actual spook house. Uh, let's see, there's uh, an educational short subject called Don't Be
2: Afraid.
0: There's there's something called Beware Ghouls Run Loose in Chase by Monster. There's uh, a whole uh, gallery of spook show stills and exploitation art with incredible 300 images with spooky radio spot rarities. There's also, uh, there's. They also include as a bonus, um, a bonus material, the 1960 Burt I. Gordon's 72-minute feature film, Tormented, uh, and much, much more. So this, this TBD is filled to the brim, and it's interesting because. When you put it in, there's not a traditional menu screen on this. You you have a series of of still images that you have to scroll and find, like a like a scavenger hunt on your DVD screen. Um, find the little icons that light up that you can click on to find this different material. So you're kind of going through this maze of different of different screens in order to. Find different supp- Try to find all the supplemental material on this disc. I've gone through this disc several times, and I still find something new every time I pop it in. So Full of
5: Easter eggs.
0: Oh, I had a ton of e- the, the DVD itself is a fucking Easter egg. Um, <laughs> so it's just filled to the brim. It is a lot of fun, especially if you like a lot of old cheesy crap like like like. Um, you know, like all these old movies and, and just the whole spook show mentality and old spook show carnival fun rides and stuff like that it's an amazing disc I love it The it is fun to kind of scroll through um, if you are just putting it in the background as a party it can be kind of a pain in the ass because um, I think there is, there is one feature on here that you can click on and literally scroll through everything on the DVD, but good luck finding it. So, it is kind of a pain in the ass if you're looking for specifics. Um, Jason's probably familiar with a lot of material from this disc, because I used a lot of the clips from this disc on our Insane Asylum DVD loops.
1: At, the, mm-hmm. at our
0: store, because this stuff was just perfect—just perfect little party fodder background noise—and um, just was a lot of fun. So, man, if you could find this disc, I don't know if they're still—if they still have it in print—but it's freaking awesome. Forget the movie "Monsters Crash the Pajama Party." Isn't anything special? It would definitely be a lot more fun to watch it back in 1964 or 1965 with uh, people running around the theater in gorilla suits. But uh, other than that, it's pretty much pointless and worthless. But the rest of the disc is absolutely freaking amazing. So that's Insane's Picks for this episode.
1: Woo, woo, woo! Woo! woo woo
0: So that's it. That's it, boys and girls. That's another episode of uh, Attack of the Killer podcast. I almost said movie reviews in The Asylum. Wrong show. Wrong show. Too many shows, man. Too many shows. <laughs> You no, need another, I need another show. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of do. I kind of want like two or three more shows. So, yeah. So speaking of other shows, um, don't forget movie reviews in the asylum. Check that out. And uh, don't forget everything horrible. Check that out. Uh, got some new episodes coming, Dustin.
5: You know it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, and your other new show too. The. What's it called? Everything horrible about games. What is
5: it? Oh, just horrible games. <laughs> horrible games.
4: Sorry. Right, cool.
0: <clears throat> cool. And John, how's the uh, how's the Children of the Corn podcast coming?
4: Uh it's it's a coming. Um, working on some legal stuff right now, some legalities, and trying to get everything you know squared away, you know, for some copyright things. So, but it should be coming soon. So,
3: like, how many times you can say boobs on a podcast? Yeah, those boops. kind of
4: things. <laughs> There's one. Boops, 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 boops. Boops, boops, boops. All right, <laughs> <laughs> let's not get sued,
3: guys. Boobie. Until John knows the number. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's a coming along. So hopefully soon. Awesome. Cool, cool, cool.
0: And so yeah, so definitely everybody check us out. Uh, we're on Twitter, on Facebook, Taco Code podcast. A uh, O T K P. Anything anybody else want to add before we sign off?
3: Tearflix.
2: Oh, yeah,
0: damn it. Tearflix. <laughs> Kick ass blog. Uh, what's what's the newest one you have up right now?
2: Uh, The Battered Bastards of Baseball. It's oh, a yeah. Netflix documentary.
3: Okay. What was the one you had before that? Uh, I don't
2: She's remember. She's had
3: so many, and there'll be so many more by the time. Yeah, this so evening I know, but out. I'm trying. I'm just trying to remember the
0: last one I read. I thought it was pretty kick-ass. I
2: don't remember. They're
0: all kick-ass. Well, they are. I just yes. I haven't read. I haven't read that
3: new one yet. The, the don't bother. Game. I think Kurt Russell's in it, so.
2: It, he is. You're
1: right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> don't bother. Sweet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. So there you go. Another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast done in the books. We'll see you next time. Goodbye, everybody.
5: Bye.
3: Bye. See ya. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Could this be
1: the end of? <laughs>
2: Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack of the Killer Podcast.